Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Talk By Chance, the weekly show where we come in and talk all things movies and occasionally TV when we feel like it. Uh, we're back on Thanksgiving holiday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, so uh, this is, I guess this, I guess this is the start of our Christmas, our Christmas season, and it's a weird way to start it because we started with uh, movies of 1994, to which we got Pulp Fiction, which we'll talk about later. But for right now, we have our usual segments. Uh, well, actually, our, <laughs> our we start with our obligatory question to Russell. You have not started watching Game of Thrones, yes? I have not. I've seen PJ finally finish, so yeah, we PJ got that. PJ ran we, laps around you. He did. Well, he has a little bit more free time than I do. No true. offense. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I would love to have that type of time just to, you know, binge, binge, binge. But I just – we were out of town. We were in Michigan for the weekend for the uh, – uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and we just just been just been busy with the holiday stuff. Yeah, um, I get it. I and I I definitely need. I know you've been at me about Watchmen. I definitely got to get into yeah, it. Watch, um, Watchmen is doing some really great stuff. That's what I've heard, and I have all seven episodes on the DVR, so I, it's definitely something I definitely want to watch. So I will get around to it eventually. Uh, regardless, uh, we have our usual movie theme segments, which can also be TV sometimes, now I think about it. Uh, <laughs> first of which is our weekly trailer talk. So, uh, first of all, we'll be talking about for, I don't know, let's talk about Emma. The trailer for Emma dropped. Sure. Uh, this is the movie based on the popular novel by, I believe, Jane Austen, yes? Yes. Uh, it was adapted into a uh, movie in 1996 starring Gwyneth Paltrow and officially adapted in, when did Clueless come out? 1992? Uh, Clueless, uh, it was 90... 95? 95, I think. Why well, I think 92? I was close. But, uh, yeah, so, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for Emma? Uh, yeah, typical trailer for a Jane Austen property that you would assume. Um, it has that comedic vibe to it. Uh, yeah, just the, the typical thing that you would think watching this type of film or, you know, finding out a film of Jane Austen's hit the big screen. So it had all the feels to it. It looks funny. Um, and it looks like it has a little bit of, you know, drama mixed with, uh, comedic aspects of things. And yeah, it looks okay. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it looks pretty standard Jane Austen novel, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, she's a classic author for a reason, but I think what's selling this is the fact that Anya Taylor-Joy is in it. And I think she's a great up and coming actress. Uh, X-Men Ghost School is probably never going to come out. So what are we going to get to see what she does in a superhero movie? <laughs> Or if, if it does, I'll be very impressed, but I'm not counting on it. Uh, but regardless, uh, this I think this looks good. This is, looks like something a little different to showcase her talent. That's because, again, she could not break into mainstream filmmaking. Not not at, by any fault of her own, but, I mean, she got, she got stuck with the worst X-Men product to be stuck with. Yeah, for sure. But she, she shines in like little movies like this, and this is set for a February 20th. 2020 release. Uh, next show we're talking about is for Antebellum. I talk about the plot of this film, but I think it's vague intentionally, and I can't find any plot details anywhere. So uh, I'll just go to Russell. Russell, what do you, you think about this trailer? Yeah, I think the the more vague it is, um, this is the one where the 911 call and yeah. it's like super vague. Um, but it, it's it, I, the more vague they are, it's like the more curious I am. So I think it kind of works in its favor. To where it's like you're really curious about this film because there's not a whole lot out there about it, and I think that's a good thing because um, you know some of these movies they put t- they put all their eggs in one basket and they give you a lot in the trailer, but this one just it it, it wants 
you want more when you after you're done seeing it. And I'm curious about it. I really am. You also have a really solid cast behind, like Janelle Monae and uh, well, Janelle Monae, Kiersey Clemens, Jack Houston, Gabriel Sidibe, who I haven't seen in forever. <laughs> Who's not an office? Who is not an office party? <laughs> That was the whole conversation we had before this. <laughs> all right, we had to get that out there. I, I, I'll, I'll own it. Yeah, all right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think this movie looks intriguing. I can't wait to see how they make butterflies evil. <laughs> it's set for a uh, where's the anti, where's the antebellum? You know, it's funny. I, I have my my Google my Safari page was on Christmas party because I had to check. Wait, was she in that movie? She's not. <laughs> Man, I thought that was her. Okay, well, uh, or April, not. Uh, comes out April twenty fourth, twenty twenty. Tower Heist for sure. I do. I do know that. Yeah. Uh, next year we're talking about is well, we're saving we're saving the best one for last. Well, not the best, but you know, the most. Yeah, for the last. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's Call of the Wild. Uh, based on the classic novel, which did you read? I didn't read this one. I did not read. I just know Jack London did it, and I know it's like really beloved. Yeah. So, uh, Russell, what do you think of this trailer? I liked it. Uh, kind of how we were saying, Harrison Ford really, really committed he to this is uh, role. Committed to this, um, but like I guess it's because of his acting, like just because of the way that he's like just really conveys the whole, you know, seriousness of of this role. I'm I'm totally hooked on it. I, I really liked it. It had that feel good uh, feel to it, and yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this. Believe it or not, it's it's looked like it's shot really well. Like this, this looks like the best tourism ad for Alaska I've ever seen. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, yeah, you can tell some of the some of the dog shots are completely CGI, but oh, still, no, the dog the dog doesn't look remotely real. It, it, it doesn't take you out of it, though. I think you know you can kind of put that, you know what I mean, kind of the side when you're watching films like this. Um, you know, obviously we did for Lion King, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with it looks fake as long as it looks nice. And I think yeah, it looks really nice for sure. Yeah, and this is set for a. It's supposed to come out at the begin at the end of this year, but it got pushed back for whatever reason. Set for a February twenty first, twenty twenty release. So, yeah, and also features a supporting cast. Wow, I didn't know the supporting cast. Like, you know, who else in this movie? Dan Stevens, Karen Gillan, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford. Wow. This is now. Yeah, I'm never really intrigued by this movie now. And yeah, set for a February twenty first, twenty twenty release. Now let's get to the one you really, we really want to talk about. Oh uh, yeah, cats. Wow. So the first trailer <laughs> dropped during our our lost episode, our Moonlight double feature, which we just have not gone back to fix. One day, uh, one day you guys will get a just a bonus episode. You'll be like, why the hell did? Yeah, one uh, day, one day we'll yeah. we'll do that again. But yeah, yeah uh, bottom line, first trailer for cats scared the crap out of both of us. Yeah, it was a little bit off-putting. And this trailer doesn't change that. No, it it, it, does, it looks weird, but like it it looks weird enough to where it's like I'm curious to see it though. Um, I do like musicals, um, but this yeah, it's just it, this is just so different. It's so different to see these like Idris Elba, Ian McKellen, or Judy Dench's cats. You well, know? Look, remember remember how I said like I don't have a problem with them looking fake. Yeah, it looks nice. This looks fake and it looks bad. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, when you get that into it, I think it's kind of hard to kind of believe it. Um, but I mean, it has a lot of musical, t- it has a lot of talent in this film, is the thing I think that it has going for it. Uh, 
maybe not CGI, but um, I definitely think the, the talent of the of the you know the cast I think is is really well. Oh, you have a ton of talent behind this. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. Uh, you know, maybe you know, like maybe maybe we'll be okay. Look, Tom Hooper. I think Tom Hooper directed this, right? He's not. He's yeah. Not, he's not an awful director. <laughs> he directed the Cage, I mean, which I really like. Yeah. And Les Mis was, I mean, was was moderate. I mean, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's, it got got him, it got Anne Hathaway Academy Award, so he must have was doing something right, you know. Well, because Jonathan Demi Demi couldn't do it, even though he should have, because she's really yeah. great. Mitchell getting married. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I think the biggest problem is the fact that every everything in this movie just looks like nightmare fuel. It does, and but the funny thing about it is, I could tell like. And how we were talking about this before, I think I, I could totally see James Corden doing this. So that's not it's not like a surprise that he he's actually doing this or Rebel Wilson's doing this because I feel like they would take anything. You know what I mean? Oh, they will. They they yeah. absolutely would. Yeah. Rebel Wilson's Rebel Wilson's career right now is like hanging by a thread. It's amazing the the I mean obviously she got catapulted to obviously with Pitch Perfect, but just like her choices now, like you know, just like the hustle, which was loosely based on. Um, Oh, what the hell was it uh, with uh, Steve oh, Martin uh, and Michael Caine? Dirty Rod Scoundrels, yeah. yeah. So you had that. I mean, you've had a lot of like things, like like completely misses. And she had that one that was kind of like, um, what's that one where she? Um, isn't it romantic? Isn't a romantic? Yeah. So she she's doing a lot of those things. I feel like she's just really like kind of like a one trick pony. She doesn't really have a. You know what I mean? She's she does the same thing all the time. How, how big is her role in Jojo Rabbit? She is not. In it very much. That's what I thought. Yeah. Just, yeah, I, I I still haven't seen that movie. Probably really good movie. Fantastic, fantastic film, absolutely. I really want to see it, but bottom line, yeah, this uh, hopefully it works out for her. But uh, yeah, this movie just looks it looks bad. It looks really bad. I mean, even look at James Corden. I mean, you have what Peter Rabbit. You have Emoji Movie. Like he's yeah. He has that Melissa McCarthy super intelligence movie, which he's going to be in. But did, didn't you say that that was going straight to HBO Max? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Trolls. Uh. Well, I mean, yesterday barely counts because he played himself. Smallfoot yeah. emoji movie. <laughs> Norma. He was. Oh my God. He was in the UK version. Norma the North. They oh had wow. Dub, they had to dub that for British audiences. Jeez. Oh wow. I'm finding so much about about James Corden right now, but screw. Well, first of all, screw him. Second of all, uh, Cats is set for a when it's coming out, December twentieth, twenty nineteen. And I do find it funny that on the poster you can barely make out the cats. Every everyone's kept in darkness. Yes, as it should be. Uh, next, we're talking about for one that is more, way more highly anticipated. Uh, it is. The Black Widow movie. This is the Black Widow solo film, which is odd we're getting this now because she is, uh, you know, dead. Yeah. Uh, this takes place before, in between Civil War and Infinity War. So this is like the in-between war story. Uh, Russell, what do you think of this trailer? I mean, kind of how we had talked about before. I mean, I wish they would have done this like way before. I don't think we need one right now. Like it's not, you know what I mean? I think they want to try to, they want to catch in on that buzz from Captain Marvel. I don't think they're going to be able to do it with this one. Yeah, I think this is movie I'd be a lot more excited for if this was coming out in like 2009. This would have been good, like like maybe 
Yeah, I'd say, yeah, a, a couple of years past the road, you know, when Electra came out. Well, just because, like, yeah. just, just because this movie was, this movie should have been, like, a phase, if you want to make a Black Widow movie, this should have been phase one. Yeah. And 2009 would have been perfect because there was no MC movie that year at all. Yeah, so, I mean, a good, and it's a good way to get, you know, us, you know, introduced to the character and then, you know what I mean? Then we don't really have to do all these other little, you know, pepper in these scenes with, with her in it and like Iron Man. Yeah, and then, and then you don't get to, yeah. you know, shoehorn her into, yeah. shoehorn her into Iron Man too. You could be a yeah. more natural progression. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, uh, here we go. We have this. But I do think like, stylistically it looks really cool. Oh, the trailer looks good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm going to go see it. I just think that, I think we missed the boat on this one. I think this is just one of those. You know, they want to see a female-led superhero movie. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you and I sung the praises of Captain Marvel when it came out. Um, I just think they missed the boat on this one. I think this is, I think this just, I don't think it's going to do that well in the box office. I really don't. I disagree. I, th- I, think, it'll, I think it'll do fine. You do? I, I, I don't think there's any way it's going to be bombs. Unless it's like really bad. I think it's going to be an underwhelming uh, opening for these guys. I just, I just have that feel to it. I don't know. Well. We'll talk about it more obviously around May, but I don't I don't see this movie opening very very high. I will say it does it does have some pitfalls to it, like that scene we see all the time with two people like fighting fighting each other, and then like ah, good to see you again. <laughs> we, we we see that we see that trope all the time. We do. So let's look. If you're gonna do that, the fight better be cool. <laughs> Absolutely, it better be worth the payoff. Yeah, it better, it better be, or no, it better be worth the setup, not the pay. We don't really no, know, not the payoff, but it better be. Yeah, we already know what the payoff is. It better, it better be worth the setup. Worth the setup, yeah. I like seeing David Harbor. In the- oh yeah, David Harbor's always badass. It's it's really good to see him. Um, yeah, Florence Pugh is nice to see. Rachel Vice is nice to see. Uh, our first look, we get our first. We get, oh, the public gets their first look at the villain Taskmaster, which uh, I saw some extended scenes of a D twenty three. Uh, you know, I know you're you're not a big uh, not a big funny book boy, so you probably don't know much about Taskmaster. No, I know nothing about it. Uh, he basically has like advanced. I explained, but he basically has advanced muscle memory. Okay. So, so like he, if you see someone do something enough times, well, not enough times. If you see someone do something at least once, he can do that too. Okay. Pretty much like a copycat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this looks really interesting. I'm curious what this will be. I'm curious if this has implications for the future of this universe, or if this is just like a one-off, like in-between story. I really hope it has bigger implications because I feel like, you know, we've done so much and done so much to propel this universe forward. Going yeah. back right now seems like a dumb idea. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what the at, you know the post credits gonna gonna do with this. Hopefully, it does something to where it sets it up for the next phase. Also, is it me or does it look like the DH William Hurt? Um, it definitely looks like they de-aged William Hurt. It looked like he came straight off of uh, Incredible Hulk. That's that's the thing. I yeah, see, I thought you noticed. I thought I wasn't the only one to notice that because no, that's William Hurt, but he looks he looks way younger. It was super quick, and it was right there at the beginning. No, I definitely noticed it. It was weird. So I wonder when that scene takes place because that's that wouldn't that wouldn't be in between Civil War because he still he hasn't aged that much. <laughs> No, but I mean, yeah, but it looked like he had the same look like he did in Incredible Hulk, so it's kind of like, uh... Yeah, so it's going to be weird yeah. to see where that, where that turns out, but either yeah. way, uh, I'm still looking forward to it. I think it looks cool. I uh, am too, yeah. And yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how Phase 4 actually kicks off in May 1st, 2020, when this movie comes out. 
And last show, excuse me, last show we're talking about today uh, is actually just dropped a few hours ago. Yeah, is uh, Bond twenty five the search the search for Cur- Curly's gold, or uh, Bond or No Time to Die as it's being called, but we're we're not gonna call it that. Um, so Russell, what did you think of the trailer for Bond twenty five? I liked it. I liked it. Did you? I, I, I did. I absolutely did. Um, I really think this Do you is a like good. It enough to call it by its real name. Um, I think it's stupid. The name's stupid. We've we've said that numerous so times. Now. No, but I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think this is a good send off to Daniel Craig. Hopefully, um, the trailer hooked me. I mean, I, it got all the the James Bond tropes to it. Uh, we get to see the gadgetry of the cars, um, just you know, it's badass Bond. Seen the the Aston Martin with the with the with the behind the weapons headlights. at it. Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it hit it hit all the beats for me watching it. Um, I, I love Craig as Bond, and I think this is going to be a good good send off for him. Hopefully, I, I, I hope it's better than Spectre and Quantum of Solace. Yeah, God, God, I hope so. Although, yeah. although I'm not going to challenge them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, this movie looks. I think it looks surprisingly good for all the problems. Yeah. This movie has had so many problems during production. Like so many people got hurt. So many things got delayed. It's it, it's it's been a whole to do. Uh, but yeah, I think it looks interesting. I think Rami Malek is as much as a game shit for Bohemian Rhapsody in the past. I think he has the perfect look to play a Bond villain. Yes, if he would have put the Bohemian Rhapsody teeth in, I think it would have oh, been good. Yeah, the, with, 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 if you put those teeth on him, perfect. Done deal. Done deal. Uh, but I'm I'm happy to see Jeffrey Wright back in a Bond movie. For sure, I like him a lot too. He's a really really good solid and, actor. And also you. Uh, there was an interview that Kate Fukunaga did that he took a lot of inspiration from the best Craig Bond movie, Casino Royale. Nice. So I I actually have a lot of confidence, especially because like I like Kerry Fukunaga as a director. I think he's really good. Uh, <laughs> hopefully this can overcome the look. The, Craig's Bond has been like an up and down. It has been. So. Hopefully, since he got done with a down, this one will be enough, and he'll be off on it because, like, he's already he's already thrown in the towel. He's already said this is going to be his last one. I think he'll be happy to get the hell out of it. I mean, he's he's given oh, us no. five he, movies. He'll be happy. He he wants to kill himself every day when he's making these movies. I mean, he, he's given us you know five movies, and I mean, you know, granted, you know, you know, Spectre and Quantum Solace has its scenes. Overall, the, the movies just they fall way hard, but you know. We did get Casino Royale. We did get Skyfall. So, I mean, we got to be thankful at least of that. Yeah, so. And we got to be thankful that this looks way better than that Corona Light first look that we saw a few months ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is, this movie, I think, looks really interesting. It's set for a April 2020 release. So, right around the corner. And uh, that's going to do it for the trailer talk segment of our show. So, we now move on to the movie news segment. Uh, first piece new talking about, um, Frozen 2. Frozen 2 has been crushing it. Opened, uh, $130 million opening weekend, which is substantially larger than the first opening. And brought in 126 over the five-day Thanksgiving weekend. So, brings a worldwide total to about $730 million. So, Jeez. this movie's gonna cross a billion dollars, right? Right? Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I think that this really shows that look, if people question the staying power of Frozen. This 
really proved this. It's a juggernaut. I mean, oh, it's, still, it's still a juggernaut. It, it's a juggernaut. They know what they have on their hands. So, yeah. Like five, five years later? No, six years later. This movie is still a juggernaut. Yeah, six years. Yep. So I'm very curious if this leads to Frozen 3. This movie does well enough. I mean, it's going to. You think so? I think so. I think they're gonna they're they're gonna have to. They they see the dollar signs on it. You know what I mean? Oh, maybe 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 we'll see. Uh, either way, uh, congrats to the team. I think you you and I both both like this movie enough, right? Yeah, Frozen Two was good. I I still like uh, the first one more. I think I like uh, this one more than the first. Really? I just I like the first one more. I just I feel like they were. I had nothing against like I, I think the songs and everything from the first one. I guess because I've just they've been embedded. They've had six years to embed. I guess um, they've been like hardwired into your brain. Seriously, um, but no, I, I love the story. Um, you know, I, I love everything about that. I just felt like we were trying to kind of manipulate ways to justify having a second one. Do you know what I mean? Um, which I mean, I get. I mean, you're going to have to do that. But I just think the the first ones. I, I like the first story better. There. Fair. Yeah. Uh, but either way, uh, props to Disney for being able to just crush, just crush this franchise. Someone who's also been crushing it, Ryan Johnson with Knives Out. Uh, I heard. Yeah, I didn't get to see it yet. I, I have heard though. Yeah, I, I really love this movie. It's brought in. Uh, it's brought in forty million dollars. I'm sorry. Jeez. It's brought in seventy-two million dollars on a forty million dollar budget. So it's crazy. It's like it's that's the first weekend. So it's like one weekend away from actually turning in a profit. It's crazy. I saved it because Beck likes these, uh, you know, um, thrillers. They like these like whodunit type things. So I'm saving it for her, and she's dragging her feet to go see it. So, <laughs> so naturally, because she always hates when I go see movies, and then I wait for her. Then this is what happens. That's why I don't wait for her. Um, so hopefully, I'll get to see that soon. Like I said, that's why I went and saw Queen and Slim last night, and I shied away from Knives Out. Right, uh, but regardless, I think this is. I, th- I think this is good for good for Ryan Johnson. This, uh, he really needed a win after you know all the all the heat he caught off the last off the last Jedi. Uh, I'm very curious. So, I'm, you, you can't speak to him, but, but as for me, I'm not gonna say it sets up for a sequel, but I could definitely see another movie where Daniel Craig returns, like his returns his character. You know, kind of make him like American Hercule Poirot, if you will. Yeah. Because like we we don't have like a lot of like detective franchises like that. No, and Murder of the Orient Express, you know, it was one of those ones where you know it kind of like it blew up too. It did really well. Yeah, so I mean, it it, it could happen. If this movie does well enough, we could see Craig's character come back. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'd I'd like that. Yeah, so we'll so we'll see where that goes. But uh, props to the entire Knives Out team, one of the best movies of the year. Uh, next trailer. I'm sorry. Next piece of news. Talking about <laughs> we talked about it last week. How Joker crossed a billion dollars. You said it was going to get a sequel. I said we'll see. There's been a conflicting reports about whether or not it's going to get a sequel. So here's so here's how the story goes. Uh, THR dropped a dropped a story that said a sequel was coming, and that Todd Phillips had signed on to direct another uh, villain spinoff movie. However, Philip later responded that uh, he met with WB about, make, about possibly making a sequel, uh, but nothing was set in stone yet. So, but, but regardless, the idea for a sequel is floating out there. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a surprise, but uh-uh. do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a good idea? 
I mean, I don't think it's a good idea, but are they going to do it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, again, this worth the day of age now where it's about the money. It's not necessarily they care about the storyline. They have a solid story that they can follow the first one up with. It's more about let's just get that out there to appease the demand. And I think that's what they're going to go with. Um, I, I don't know. I think they're going to make a second one. Is it going to be as good as the first one? Probably, Probably not. Because um, like, yeah. where do you go? That's the thing. We, we've seen, like, if you've seen the Joker, you know, the viewers that have seen the Joker, you know, those who listen, I mean, you, you've done pretty much everything. Like, I don't know what else more you want to do with that, you know? Yeah, plus you also, uh, you, well, you have one of two options. You can have him fight Batman or, actually, that's, it. that's the only option, have him fight Batman. I mean, you have to, yeah, you have to introduce it. And I thought it was kind of cool how they just kind of introduced him to like a young Bruce Wayne. So like now it's like you have to, you have to move it up a little bit more too. Like you have to set that, you know what I mean, down the road because he's still a child and, and Joker. So I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to pull this off, but we're going to get more, going to get more Joker and possibly. So the, the, the other possible villain that we've now discussed was Lex Luthor. Okay. Which, so the way I think I think the way it was pitched work out is the fact that like Superman doesn't Superman doesn't exist okay. in this world, which again kind of spits in the face of what that character's about, but regardless. Seriously, I mean that's you know, they're like yin and yang, it's just like Joker and, and Batman, you know? It, it it would track his his progress from being like, you know, a rich socialite to ultimately becoming president of the United States. Which I would say okay. but I would say though that the fact that Heroes do exist in this world, and he owns an enterprise that's basically dedicated to evil. The fact that he does all that, and still gets and still gets to become president of the United States, I think that's way more impressive than just a guy who's a little bit bad who becomes a president. Yeah, yeah. But then who are they? Um, who are they looking to? Uh... Like Luther? Yeah. I mean, nobody yet, but. I'm sure, okay. I'm, sure, I'm sure they have a list, but well, because I seen something about that, and they were like Jesse Eisenberg, obviously, because of. But I, I really think he's just not a good Lex. No, he like well, at all. I, I really chalk it up more to direction than I do his performance. But yeah, his performance is just, it's not good. It's really not. Call good. me, call me crazy. I still like Smallville's uh, Michael Rosenbaum. I still like him as a as Lex. I do too. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Who may who may be coming back for Chrysler Infinite Earth on, C- on CW? Yeah, I did see something about that. I think that's kind of cool if that if that happens. If that happens, but maybe maybe we'll review that. Who knows? But um, yeah. So uh, next piece of news we're talking about is uh, oh, speaking of Batman, uh, John Turturro has joined the Batman as crime boss Carmine Falcone. Uh, if you don't recognize the name, he's the character Tom Wilkinson played in Batman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I think I think that's a great pick. Solid choice, yeah. I like it. I never thought I never thought I'd get to see John Turturro in a Batman movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, John Turturro and Batman just never seemed like a, a, a you know plausible, but yeah. Yeah. Plus, I mean, great actor, very Italian. <laughs> very, very Italian. Yes. Uh, very, very good at playing like sleets, like sleazy characters like that. So he could totally do it. Uh, but also, some news that came out about that movie is the fact that. Uh, okay, this isn't official. It was reported that spinoff films for the villains are in the works, but in reality, uh, it just means that the contracts for the signed on villains, that being um, who is it? Paul Dano, Zoe Kravitz, and possibly Colin Farrell, their contracts would include spinoffs for uh, other possible movies. Okay. 
So the question is, would you want to see a Catwoman, Riddler, or Penguin film? I mean, well, I mean, I sure, why not? I mean, why not? I, I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Do, do, we want, do we want to try Catwoman again after the last one? I mean, again, you can only go up. You, you can't only go up. That is true. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, why not? Yeah, but either way, uh, I think I think overall, big bigger point of the story is John Turturro is a great addition to the Batman. For sure. And it also makes me think Colin Farrell's deal isn't isn't done yet because I think Matt Reeves would have confirmed it by now. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, moving on. Next story. Uh, Robocop Returns finds a new director in Abe Forsyth. He, uh, I think the most notable thing he's done recently is the Hulu movie Little Monsters, which I told you about, which we reviewed the trailer for. Uh, really, really funny movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. But uh, <laughs> we're getting, it looks like Rush, Robocop Returns is back on track. Does that make you excited, Russell? No. <laughs> no. I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I just, you know. <laughs> Uh, man, we we're really trying to re you know reboot these 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 uh, franchises. Man, I don't know. I just uh, again, I just I hate these like lack of original ideas. But yeah, I mean, Robocop's a beloved property. I mean, I get it. I mean, I get you're trying to make some money, trying to get some you know wring some cash out of it. I get it. The last Robocop reboot failed. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was bad. It was a bad movie. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that this one's going to be any better. Um, but we'll see. I mean, again, you see, know, I, have... I, I was I was skeptical when it was Blumkamp doing this, but Abe Forsyth okay. I think has an interesting eye for this kind I of mean, stuff. I mean, and I won't say anything until I see a trailer. I'm not going to hate on it. You know, I just I hate the idea that we're getting this just because of the fact that like I feel like that's all we're doing. We're just trying to uh, you know resurrect franchises that are already you know have come and gone. You know what I mean? Because I just think that the lack of you know originality in Hollywood just it's just so great. It's just so you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's lazy almost. You know what I mean? No, and I, I, I completely understand. And it just, it sucks. But, I mean, again, I'm not going to knock it until I see a trailer. I love RoboCop. I love the first two RoboCops. But also, like, so, watch yeah. watch the movie Little Monsters. If you have, if you have okay. Hulu. Yeah. So that movie's actually, it's really funny. It's got a lot of heart to it. It's super unique. And I think okay. that that movie, like, him being the director of this intrigues me more than, more than, um... Uh, Blumkamp doing it. Okay. Because I think he has a more interesting style, a more interesting tone that would fit something like a Robocop. Well, like I said, you know, it's one of those things where if we see a trailer, you know, down the road, I'm not going to hate it, you know? Yeah, so, uh, and, even, and even then, well, it's not going to be Robocop returning because uh, Peter Weller does not want to come back. <laughs> He's like, I'm done with this shit. I quit. Too old for this shit. Uh, so, uh, anyways, next week. <gasps> Uh, Lizzie Banks, Elizabeth Banks is back in the news. Oh boy. She has lined up her next movie, uh, in the invisible woman. And no, this is not a parallel to the invisible man. This is a sci-fi comedy based on a 1940s, uh, universal film. Uh, and it's basically about a woman who she becomes invisible and kind of, well, she doesn't, she doesn't terrorize. No, that's, 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 that's the plot of the, the method of the male version yeah, and that's a plot of the new one. New one is coming out next year. Uh, basically, yeah, basically, about a, a woman becomes invisible, but this time it's the, instead of being like a hard horror film, this is more of a comedy. Okay, she's going to, I believe, direct and star, and possible. I don't think she's going to write it, but I don't think she's written anything. But she's going to direct and star. So, uh, 
Russell, I did. I did see Charlie's Angels. I did too. <laughs> this does inspire confidence because I don't think. Look, I, I love Elizabeth. I really do. I do too. I just, actress, I, she, she's, she's just not a good filmmaker. She's not a good director. No, she's not a good filmmaker. Movie forty three. You know, part of the you know skit that she did on that she, was just she not. She owns part of the blame for that movie. Um, but I thought like Charlie's Angels. I. I'd like I liked it more than other people did. I didn't hate it as much as people thought. I thought it you know or, or you know hated it as much as people did. Um, I just think that she's not a very good storyteller. Yeah, yeah, she's. You also, know what I mean? I mean, this could suit her sensibilities more because this is this is just a straightforward, I mean, not straightforward comedy, but it seems like it has more comedic grounds to it. Which is more her, her wheelhouse as exactly. a, an actress, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what she can do. Uh, um, but yeah, like Elizabeth Banks, she she has she has yet to impress me as a director of anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just I don't know. Which is a shame because like she's she's a really good actress. Like her performance in Brightburn is still really good. She was good in that. Uh, the next three days, I liked her in. Um, you know, with Russell Crowe. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she's good. I Zach mean, and Mary, she's look, good. I get just yeah. Props to her for getting a, another job, just because. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, female directors in Hollywood are a really important thing right now. So props to her. Good, good for you. And I hope she gets better. I really do. And you know, I yeah, think, I think we're seeing some upward trajectory because I do think that this is better. Charlie's Angels was better than Picture Perfect Two, her last rhetorical effort. Oh, Picture Perfect Two was bad. Oh, it's so bad. So bad. So I think I think she's going up. So maybe, maybe this one will, this one will be the one. <laughs> you think of this tank she's done directing? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Actually, no. I don't. I don't. I think she'll keep trying. You think she she'll start doing stuff that's like directed Netflix or something? Maybe. Probably. That that's probably yeah. the more likely route. Yeah. I mean, shit. Let her let, let her make a horror movie. <laughs> See what she can do there. Seriously, I mean, why not? I mean, funny funny people have been have been succeeding there for the past few years. Give her a try. Sure. Uh, next piece of news. Uh, there is a new Ace movie coming from Maze Runner director Wes Ball. Uh, he directed... First of all, I like that name. Wes Ball. Uh, he was current, He was slated to direct the Mouse Hunt movie, which was you know defunded because it was going to be ungodly expensive. Uh, but regardless, uh, he's going to direct a new Ace movie. So... Uh, did you did you watch any of the Maze the Maze Runners movies? I did. I watched the first couple, and then I stopped. Oh, you mean first couple? There's only three of them. Oh, did I watch all three? I might have watched all three. I'm yeah. trying to think now. Hold on. I'm thinking Divergent because there was four. Wasn't there four Divergents? There, there were no. There were. Was there four? I think there were only three. They canceled the fourth. There was supposed to be a fourth. Jesus Lord. Okay. All these like YA like like Hunger Games stuff are like they're all confusing. Um, I'm trying to think. I know for sure we saw the two. I know, you know I what saw, we. I know I saw one. I know I saw two. I I remember because I watched I watched it with Beck. I remember and I think we were we were lining up. Yeah, because we were lining up to watch the third one. I don't think we ever actually saw the third one. We watched the first two. So we didn't watch the third one. Okay, so you did not watch the third one. No, but you saw I'm the first go, two. I feel confident. Two out of three. Yeah. Two out of three. Two out of three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, him directing an Apes movie. The, what, what, is, what does that say to you? Uh, not good. Is, he's not, is he the person I would have picked to direct a Planet of the Apes? Uh, no, I mean, but, 
but we've just we're just a couple years removed from it. I don't feel like we need to do that right away. You know what I mean? I mean, but the way the the way the fourth one and there is like still there's still space you can explore because we're not we're not at the point where you know after just like you know where they're like civilized and talking like that. No, I get it, but I just I, I just think we're you know we you know Reeves com- you know completed that trilogy. I think we're I think we should just like let that go for a little bit. That is true. I, I do. Agree. I mean, that's just me. I mean, uh, like I said, we're literally what I think it was like what two years ago. Yeah, two years. Yeah, so I think we should just like let that let that you know rest for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I I would agree. And even if we were West Ball, would not be my first choice. Although he says he's a big fan of the property, so. Maybe maybe he has you know secret talent for this, who knows? Uh, but either way, we're getting another Ace movie, so let's see where this goes. Uh, speaking of movies, we're, we're also we're getting more of, uh, we're getting more Star Trek. Uh, Fargo and Legion director Noah Hawley has just signed a deal to write and direct Star Trek Four, which will be the fourth film in the Kelvin timeline, which will bring back you know Chris Pine. Uh, I'm blanking on the entire cast: Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, uh, Carl Urban. Not Anton Yelp. It's been that. It's been that while. Yeah, good. What a talented actor, man. That's uh, that really sucks. That's the yeah, ass. It's it's still it's still a tragedy what happened to him. It really is. I really like him in Alpha Dog. Yeah, he was good. He was good in Alpha Dog. Yeah, that was a really good movie. Very underrated film. Uh, but well, well, quick question: Do, do you recast Chekhov, or do you just not you just write him out of the movie? I mean, just depends on what direction you want to go with the Star Trek. I mean, you. I I don't know. I would. If you recast it, make his role small. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just to, so you're not kind of like. I mean, you're obviously not stepping on stones. I mean, the you know he tragically you know he tragically died. Like it's, I mean, you, you have to move on and tell the tell the story of the character. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I think it's been enough time. I I, I do. Yeah, but uh, regardless, we're getting a new we're getting a new subject for. So I'm gonna take a while to guess and assume you're not super familiar with working Noah Holly. Uh, I am not. Okay, well, I can tell you that he's done some really great work on television. Okay. Uh, Far Fargo is great. Legion, I love Legion season one. I haven't watched anything past that yet. Okay. Uh, he does. He has a really interesting creative perspective that I think. I think he's an interesting choice to direct a Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm very curious to see where this goes. Funny thing is that this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be like. It's supposed to bring back Chris Hemsworth character as Chris Pine or James Kirk's dad. Hmm. So I'm very I'm curious if they're going to keep that plot element if they're going to go somewhere else. Now has everybody agreed to come back or how are they? Uh, we have we haven't got an official word. Everyone's okay. Everyone's agreed to come back. I'm assuming that's where it's going because I mean look at logistically. I mean Chris Pine's last major project is done. I mean probably the hardest one to nail down probably is what Zoe Saldana. Because she, she's filming thirty-seven avatars and Guardians, Guardians three. Yeah, and Quinto's not really doing doing much. I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, you, Just you, like you can get Quinto back. I mean, John Cho got his grudge movies. I mean, maybe not him. Oh, and he's getting another uh, what uh, the um, searching movie? I guess they're doing too. Is he? Is he? Is he in that guy's new movie? I heard they're doing another searching film. Are, are they? What? What? What else is there to do? Spoiler: I, I don't found, know. He I, found her. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I heard that they want to do something else with that that property. They like they want to film like something like that. I guess I, I don't know. I I don't remember where I heard it, but I did hear it. That's a, that that'd be yeah. weird. But yeah, uh, 
So we're going to uh, Star, Star Trek 4. We're getting it. Know how he's going to write and direct. I think, that, I think that's a good show. I think it's an interesting choice, and I can't wait to see what he does with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I liked I liked the uh, the reboots, the 09 reboot from Abrams. So, I do, too. Yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be kind of fun to see what they do with it moving forward. All right. Uh, next story we're talking about is uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, got pushed back eight months Jeez. to November of 2020. So, hey, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving 2020. Go watch Giant Monsters beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. I'm very curious what this means for, like, how the finished product turned out. Because this movie actually finished shooting, like, right before Godzilla Godzilla 2 came out. Yeah. So, Ma- it makes you wonder. I, don't, I, I, I think that they... They saw some stuff that they weren't happy with, and they wanted to try to redo it, I think. That's what they weren't happy with. I think part of that's probably the negative reception to Godzilla vs. Godzilla King of Monsters. Which was, fu- which was, I mean, it was okay. It was underwhelming. Oh, uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I was, because we were both looking forward to it. on the top ten of our summer list. Yeah, absolutely. It was, so it was not just top ten of the summer, top ten of the year. <laughs> yeah, it, it was super underwhelming, though. Um, it was fun to see the, when the monsters were all on the screen, it was fun. But I think all that stuff off the screen, I think, is what kind of really like muddled that down. See, I, for me, it was just like I just want to see giant monsters beat the crap out of each other. They gave me a whole movie of that. I'm just like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious what what this actually means. I'm curious how how research for this would take place because you have a lot of people who are probably busy on other things. I have no idea. Or do you take? Did you shoot extra footage when I don't know? Yeah, because let, let, let's let, let's see who's in who's in this movie. He's probably too busy for reshoots right now. Uh, okay, Alexander Skarsgård, you probably get back. Lilia Brown, I don't think I don't think Stranger Things season four is gone in production. You probably get her back. Yeah, I mean, because that that's probably not going to be. You won't see that out for another uh, year or so. Brian Tyree Henry's probably too busy for reshoots, so you might be able to get him back because he's shooting Eternals right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, maybe maybe I was wrong because you, you probably get a lot of these people back for reshoots if you need to do them. But yeah, it's it doesn't this is, didn't inspire confidence in the first finished product. Yeah, yeah, it does definitely doesn't sound like that. You also really need this to do, and also I don't think this is as bad as like Kingsman getting pushed back because yeah, when they funny they weren't funny two trailers in. God, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm saying like because you know, unlike Kingsman, unlike Kingsman, Godzilla versus Kong wasn't two trailers in. Yeah, that's true. So, I had a laugh though because I, I saw a Kingsman trailer, another Kingsman trailer, the same one uh, for Queen and Slim yesterday. Oh really? And did did it yeah. have the February release date or did it switch to September? No, it didn't say anything after it. I don't think. Uh, okay. Yeah. The also the giant cardboard stand is still is still there in my theater. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, we still got to deal with that. But yeah. Also, you you can feel that WB really needs this. They need this movie to succeed. They really for do. sure. Yeah, they do. I really believe that this movie. If this movie like falls flat, I think the I think we can just say the MonsterVerse is done. Which is sad. I mean, because you're leading up to two of the big, you know, the faces of the franchise. There, you know, I, I love King Kong, and I always enjoy Godzilla. So, you know, when you get those two to share the screen together, especially fight. It's definitely memorable, so it'll be fun. Uh, hopefully, they do it right, and hopefully, they do it good enough to where you know they get a little hit on their hands. Eh, here's hoping. Um, and the last piece we're talking about we got some Superman news. Actually, a lot of Superman news, surprisingly. Uh, first of which, Henry Cavill came out and said he had. <laughs> it's like Brokeback Mountain. I wish I knew how to quit you. 
because he <laughs> has not quit Superman yet, apparently. I love it. Even get though he's ma- definitely done. Get that man of steel, too. Come on. Uh, well, maybe not, because there'd be his got meetings with has had meetings with J.J. Abrams, who just signed a big, bad robot deal with him, and Michael B. Jordan, who pitched the idea of him playing Superman to WB, which WB wanted to, wants to move forward with, but Jordan's actually the holdout because his schedule is really packed. Yeah. So, okay, so looks like we got three options on the table. We got Man of Steel 2, well, possibly Man of Steel 2, with Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill comes back. J.J. Abrams makes make produces a Superman movie, or Michael B. Jordan stars a Superman movie. Now we're gonna take Man of Steel out of there because I know what you'd pick if that was on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so between a J.J. Abrams produced Superman film, produced possibly directed, and a Michael B. Jordan starring Superman film, assuming these aren't the same thing, which would you rather see? Man, uh, yeah, that Man of Steel too to take it off the table hurt because I already knew where I was going. I know. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I'd say Michael B. Jordan led Superman. I guess just because, I mean, if if we don't get a Man of Steel too, okay, and like they're they're gonna move on in their own direction with Superman, it, it seems like from there. You know, what I mean, they're gonna. I don't know how they're gonna, you know, tie him into the DCU again. I don't know how they're gonna do that. You know what I mean? Right. Especially with Wonder Woman and the success of Aquaman and. You know, uh, moving forward, I have no idea. So, I mean, I guess you might as well just re try to re uh, revitalize the uh, the franchise. I guess we'll, you know, we'll give it a, give it another shot. I guess. I mean, I don't know because then, okay. So now, my question is: Does the Abrams produced one tie into the DCU? Uh, mm, that's a good question. That's a very good question. So, I mean, if I now if you say yes on that one, then I might lean more towards that just because of the fact I want to see what they do with this. We, we've seen like a handful of these movies. I want to see what they do with the storyline. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That that's so that's the only reason why I would say that. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the future of Superman how that turns out. Yeah. Just because we have we have so many options on the table. But you have Cavill, like he's there. He wants this. Yeah, like I, I love the no, fact like, that he he loves this role. It's it's never the fact that Man of Steel two never moved forward. It's never been the fault of Cavill. He yeah. he's been the one pushing hardest for yeah. it. Which is great to see that type of dedication to a character, you know. Yeah, I mean, he clearly loves being Superman. Yeah. So much so that he qu- that he quit his Netflix show to do it. <laughs> no, not quit. Yeah. Does no so much so that he's doing two seasons of The Witcher on Netflix to prove that he how committed he is Superman. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I think that we're gonna. It's gonna be very interesting to see where Superman ends up in the next few years. Either way, either, no matter where it goes, it's gonna be a very interesting take. Yeah, for sure. And that is our last news story of the day, which means we now move on to our movie of the week. So, yeah, because like we said earlier, top of the show, it was nineteen movies of nineteen ninety four. The big twenty five. Big twenty five. We celebrated the twenty fifth anniversary, and you. Uh, people gave us uh, Pulp Fiction to review, which is funny enough because, look, look, I mean, we're not going to barely lead here, we, but we both love this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of Quentin Tarantino's best. Uh, it wasn't a surprise. I think when we were talking about what we were going to put on for the 1994 25th anniversary list, I kind of shot up Pulp Fiction because I was like, well, you know, it's it's a big movie of 94. I mean, when you think 1994, you think those type films. So that's why we were trying to stack up the pull as best as we could. Which is funny because like you put this on. This is this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Actually, this yeah. year. I didn't want to do this one. Why not? Uh, I, just because I feel like with this movie, there's 
people talk about this movie for for decades. Oh, it's still in. I mean, it's still in. You know, pop culture lexicon now. I mean, even with dressing up as you know Jules and Vincent, or just you know the uh, the, the infamous you know Uma Thurman and and you know uh, Vincent and and uh, Marcellus's wife. You know what I mean? Right. Doing the, uh, Mia doing you know, doing a dance and stuff like that. It's still yeah, it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. I just think that you know with other movies on the behind the pole like Quiz Show or Ed yeah. Wood, which is really close to winning. I think that those movies don't get talked about enough. I was hoping, and that's why I kind of was hoping that Pulp Fiction didn't win because I never saw Quiz Show. I've wanted to see it. I own it, but I've never watched it. Uh, and then Ed Wood, I have never seen either. And I really wanted to watch that. Bottom line, never, neither of us really wanted this one to win. But regardless, where we are, we we are servants of the poll, so we're going to review it anyways. Cause yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, the movie starts out. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, this movie starts out, first of all, with a definition because that's how all poor movies start. It starts off with, I'm not going to say our main characters because they're really not, but two important characters to the plot. Uh, we have Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. They don't actually get names in the movie. Played by Please, cute Tim nicknames. Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer. Who, it's funny. Uh, before Once Upon a Hall- Hollywood came out, because my brother just wanted to see it, but they hadn't seen any of the other of Tarantino's movies. Yeah. Uh, I had them watch some of the old ones. So we walked around okay. Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. My sister was just yeah. like, my sister saw it and she just said, "Do all those movies start in a diner?" <laughs> Which they don't, but no. But you do get a lot of similar. You get a lot of um, things that he goes back to and does. They do often start start at a table. Like, he's he, a fan. But what we've what, what, what we've noticed throughout his career, he is a fan of the dialogue. He yes. loves he loves the conversation between people, and he's done that in every film that he's done. So like to see that you know back and forth with characters i like it. it's it's always a slow burn but it, it, it always pays off you know yeah so uh we basically start with, with these two and like you said the, the dialogue in this in Tarantino movies is always like front and center yeah you can you can always tell it's something he's written so uh, basically they're talking about they're they are they're robbers yeah and they decide to him hey you know what we're gonna rob this restaurant yeah because this is just a, a diner why not yeah, it's why not? Everyone's got wallets. <laughs> it's, it's it's really quick. We can do this right now. Uh, so uh, within I'm, I'm looking right now. Within five minutes of talking, they decide, you know, we're gonna rob this place. And if we're like, ooh, I wonder where this is going. They cut to the credits. Yep. And we never and we don't see them again until the end of the movie. Yep. Uh, but although you're not supposed to know that going in, we then cut no, to I no, guess you... our our real main characters, uh, Jules played by Samuel L. Jackson, and Vincent, played by John Travolta. Who, by the way, uh, the reason Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie is because uh, he actually auditioned to be in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, okay. But the reason, the reason he, well, he didn't get it, but Tarantino saw him a few months later, just like, I'm writing a new movie, and I'm writing this part just for you. So this was, so this is already written with Samuel L. Jackson in mind. Okay. And you can really tell, because First of all, the two of these guys have some great back and forth. Oh no, they're they're back and forth on the screen. It's pretty good, uh, and I, it seems like those are the two characters, those two, I think, were perfect uh, perfect cast for this because I couldn't see anybody else doing it like they do. Oh no, I, I yeah, no, nobody, nobody else. Mm-mm. Yeah, you, yeah, and I think a big strength of Tarantino is the fact that, I mean, you look at like the, the conversations they're having. I mean, it has really has nothing to do with the scene or how it's playing out, but this is all used to, it is used to build character, and it is yeah. used to, 
I think I think a strength a sticky strength of this movie is the fact that they use dialogue to kind of put you at ease, relax you. That way, when something big happens, it's like that much more jarring. Yeah, because it takes you out because you're like kind of calm, and then all of a sudden something happens, like and boom, you know, you're just your adrenaline goes back up. You know, I mean, the conversations in this thing go like it's about the name the the, the name for McDonald's menu items in Europe, and yeah. the sexual implications of a foot massage. Yeah. Has nothing to do with okay, well, not nothing to do. Well, it has nothing to do with the scene we're in right now. Yeah, but it ha- they do have implications for the future. <laughs> oh yeah, because you know uh, Tarantino loves his feet. Uh, pause real quick. Yeah. All right. So the important piece of dialogue to remember out of this is the fact that well, one. In a, oh, I don't know if it's important, but it's fun to know uh, that apparently in Europe, a a quarter pounder McDonald's is not called a quarter pounder. It is in fact no. called a Royale with cheese because you know they got the metric, they got the metric system. In case you ever wondered, I can I cannot validate that because when I was in Europe, I both times I was in Europe, I did not go to McDonald's. So <laughs> kind of wish I did, but I did not. And uh, the other thing, so there's the, the foot massage story. Basically, the way it goes, it goes like this. These two guys work for a crime boss named Marcellus Wallace. He has a wife named Mia Wallace, who used to be an actress, who used to be on a TV pilot. Not used to be. She was on a failed TV pilot called Fox Force 5, which we'll get into, which we'll get into later. Uh, so, there, so there was a story where a guy, Tony Rakihara, uh, it was poor that he gave her a foot massage. And because of that, Marcellus Wallace threw him off a roof. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm just like, I, huh? <laughs> yeah, you, you think that you're just like, that sounds unreasonable, but to, the funny thing about it is the fact that to Vincent it makes total sense. Yeah. He's like, oh no, I get it. It, make, it makes sense. He crossed the line. <laughs> Oliver's just like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. That's a little excessive. But Seriously, we, for a foot massage. We do get more to that later in the movie. So uh, we go into the room, which, uh, the, the room they're supposed to be in. There are these three guys there. Something I do appreciate the fact that we don't really know what these guys did. We don't know what they did. We don't know what their involvement is with this whole crime family. We just know that they did. They really did something to screw over Marcellus Wallace. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the main one they're talking to is Brett. Uh, he's kind of the ringleader of that. And from there we get like maybe maybe the most not like not the most one of the most tense scenes of the entire film. Yeah. Uh, so they're basically they're they're they're, eat, they're eating breakfast. They got a bunch of cheeseburgers, which I'd be lying with that I have I haven't done that for breakfast a few times. Yeah. Hey, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, what you got to do. <laughs> this is the famous big Kahuna burger scene. Yep. So they so <laughs> Jules just like, can I go? Can I, can I try one of your burgers? And I again, like his performance, it's impossible to see someone else performing this character. Really, because just from like the way he moves, his reactions, like the way his reads, like this is a tasted burger. Yeah, I feel like only Samuel Jackson could do this scene. It really shows. It really showed the how. This is kind of the genesis to show how Tarantino and Sam Jackson really bring out the best in each other. Yeah, they're both at their apex when they're working on the, on the same project. Yeah, yeah. So he he eats one of Brett's burgers, washes it down, and then so they're basically they're there for. A case, a briefcase. Now you don't. Now it's very, it's like a very big thing to me that you don't actually know what's in, what's actually inside of it. 
So they, but you do know that it's something that's very, very shiny. Yeah, all you know, it's like a goldish yellow. Yeah, and they find out that's what they're looking for. So, uh, yeah, this is you know, this can, the tension continues. He shoots the guy on the couch when Brett's trying to talk. It's just like and out of nowhere too. He's just like Brett's just like, like kind of talking to him, and then I know he's obsessed pistol. And then push. Yeah, super did abrupt. Your, did I bring your concentration? Oh, that'll allow me to retort. And so again, you get this. He does this whole back and forth with Brett, which yeah, it's. I mean, Brett is like how any other person would be in a situation where he just doesn't know what to say, so he keeps, keeps saying what. And then he's just like, I love this. Jules yeah. snap. He's just like, say what again? I dare you. Yeah, say what one more time. Yeah, and then so he's like, what does Marcellus Wallace look like? And then he answers like, he's bald, he's black. And I love this response. Does he look? Does he look like a bitch? He's like, what? And then he he actually doesn't. Yeah. So you're just like, oh shit, he's not fucking around. So yeah, uh, basically put together that they try they try to screw him. They they try to screw Marcellus Wallace out of something, out of money. They try to rob him. Not exactly sure what happened. Yeah. And then we get to the most famous, probably the most famous monologue of the entire film. Uh, the Ezekiel 2517 passage, which is not a real Bible passage. I did check when it was over. <laughs> I, did, I did go back and, and read this passage. And it's been read the Bible to try to find this. It's not in the Bible. It's just made up. So, uh, yeah, he goes through this whole, like, long Bible passage. And then he, and then he just shoots the, him and Vincent both shoot the crap out of Brett's. And then that's such a, where, such a great scene. Yeah, great scene. And, that, and then that's where the scene ends. And then we just cut, then we cut to Bruce Willis randomly, which, yeah, we cut to Bruce Willis randomly talking to this dude who you very quickly put together is Marcellus Wallace. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so Bruce Willis plays a boxer named Butch. And this whole model, this whole scene is basically telling Marcellus Wallace that he's, he's going to pay him to throw a fight. Yeah, he has to go down in the fifth round. Yeah, fifth, fifth round, he, he goes down. Basically saying like you're past your prime. If you were gonna if you were gonna be something, you'd be it by now. So you know why not? Why not just use what you got to your advantage? And I, I do like that. So Marcel Wallace is played by Ving Rhames. Yeah, and he, he talk about presence when when sure. this guy. I like how we don't really see him like frontal, like his face, no, like the, right the, there at the beginning. The build up to Marcel yeah. Wallace is done very well. Though we know what Ving Rhames looks like, I think it's just really cool to take that time and just seeing like his his other like profiles, like his back of his head, like his you know what I mean, his side. You don't see his full face yet just now, and they they kind of build that up, and that's the beauty of what uh, Tarantino does to kind of really set that up. Yeah, and you also see like a bandage in the back of his head, which does play into what people think is in the briefcase, which we'll get into, yeah, which we'll get into later. Uh, but anyways. So yeah, the he t- he takes the money from him, and then in come in Jules and Vincent. Thing is, they're not wearing their clo- they're not wearing the same clothes from earlier. So you so you know that this scene has taken place yeah. a little bit. Yeah, you put together at this point. Yeah, this movie takes place out of order. Yep. So a fun thing to do a fun thing to do when you're done with this try try and figure out like what happened when. Like where like pretty much like how to watch the movie for, like straightforward in a linear way. Yep. Yeah, you, you you try to figure out like what like what events take place, what take place where. Uh, you yeah. get a really like hostile encounter between uh, Vincent and Butch at the bar, for really no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For... Yeah. So uh, you also, you also find out that this story 
well, the story or vignette we're seeing right now is basically going to take place. Well, it's it's called Vincent and Mia. So Vince is going to be at the forefront of this one. And he's going to be taking out uh, Vince, uh, Marcellus' wife, just just for a night out, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not sure why I asked me this guy. I'm not sure why. I'm I'm assuming he's just busy with like mob stuff, so he's too and busy he, to take her out. So it's like, so, yeah, well, I got guys for that. Yeah, so just take my wife out and just show her a good time. Yeah, and just if it's as understandably apprehensive, he's like, eh, I, don't, I don't know about this one. <laughs> until he, until he sees what she looks like, I think I think he's kind of like apprehensive about it until he sees her. And he's like, wow, you know, she's really attractive looking, you know. Yeah. So, but then we, but then yeah, we cut to. Vincent in we have no idea where uh, just, just a woman talking about her piercings which again there's a lot of conversations in this movie that ta- really have nothing to do with the movie at large but they're all used to build character like that first scene especially with Vincent and Jules in the car within despite the fact that those conversations don't really lead to anything yeah. you understand you, you already understand so much about who these guys are yeah you understand who they. You understand who they are. You understand like what they believe in. You understand how their minds work. You understand that Vincent is, clu- is can be cluelessly naive. You understand like Jules believes believe in higher power. He authority is authoritative. Yeah. You get so much character from this from these conversations, which is why I do. Which is why I do appreciate. Them. Absolutely. We also find out that Vincent is also a heroin addict. And yeah, maybe just not a little addict, bit. Maybe not an addict, but he does heroin. He meet, he meets his drug dealer, the ex Marty Eric Soltz, who I think fell on hard times after losing Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, although he did, although the plastic surgery from Mass did it, it did help him. So <laughs> at least he's not ugly anymore. This is true. We need to review Mask one day. That's yeah. That movie's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he bought he buys he buys some heroin from uh, Eric Soltz's character Lance. And uh, yeah, he, he so they have one kid from credit too. So this is a weird thing, but this makes heroin look sexy. It does. It really does. And like, it's just like the kind of like the glamour of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean just just like the way it's shot. It's like it's all, it's all slow motion. It's all close ups. It's it, they really do. Look, I I I don't do heroin, but if I did. This looks for this. This is how I want to look. It would be because of Pulp Fiction. It would be because of Pulp Fiction. Thanks, Tarantino. <laughs> um, so yeah, he goes to pick up. He goes to pick up Mia. At this like, really nice house, you can tell he's a little strung out right now. And like Mia's, she has like the jigsaw set up where she's watching from a monitor. Yeah. I also do find it. I mean, you know, the Tarantino movie when the first shot of a woman you see, when the first thing you see of a woman is not her her face, but it's her feet. He loves his feet. He loves his feet. I'm not sure why, but yeah, there we go. Yeah, so uh, they're they're heading out. We see that at, uh, Mia is played by Uma Thurman, who I think Tarantino would describe her as as his muse, which I can see why. I mean, she's she's a great actress. Yeah, she is, and I think I think Tarantino really brings out the the best of her. You know what I mean? She ha- she has hands that could smack the mustache of a Tom Selleck, but. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's funny. We're watching Kill Bill after this, and like, it was like a close-up of like Uma Thurman's hands, and like, well, not a close-up, but like her hands were in the shot. And my sister's man, like, oh man my hands. God, look at her hands. Yeah. yeah, she got some big hands. She has some huge hands. Yeah. Like join, like join the NFL with those. <laughs> give 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 OBJ a run for his money. 
so they go to this place called Jackrabbit Slims, which I was saddened to find out is not actually real. Although I don't know why it's not. This this should be a real restaurant. They could sell like all this like Tarantino merch and stuff like that. It'd be a smart way to market his movies. Yeah, it's a, it's a 50s themed restaurant. So, and the I love, I love the hostess is Nixon. I love that too. Yeah, which is really funny. Who ironically looks better than the, than the Nixon from Watchmen. Yeah, a lot better and less like prestige or whatever. Like he looked like he was just wearing like I mean, the, pure the, makeup. The dude Watchmen looks like a walking prosthetic. Oh, he does for sure. Yeah, I mean, and you also like. I love the tracking shot going to the restaurant because you really got like a feel for the whole place, and it looks like a really like I I would eat here. I would eat there. It looks fun, like a nice little place you can go dance on the dance floor after. Like you, it looks you sit, fun. You can sit in a car. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, some somebody make this restaurant happen. Serious? I'm surprised it hasn't. I mean, you've you've had 25 years. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, they're 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 sitting in their car. Their waiter their waiter is Buddy Holly, who is played by Steve Buscemi. Love it. Love love the random Steve Buscemi character. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people a lot of people don't know that. Uh, so Vincent orders steak and I think Mia orders a burger and a five dollar milkshake. I'm not sure exactly what it is that makes a milkshake five dollars. And, and Vincent's kind of confused about it too. I keep in mind this is this is five dollars in 1994. That'd be like a ten dollar milkshake now. Yeah, I'm just like what the yeah like even Vincent like Vincent's reaction is your reaction just like. What's in the shake that makes it ten dollars or five dollars? It's funny because we go to this place called Burgatory, and they have really good. Uh, well, this, they're known for burgers, but they have really good uh, milkshakes. Oh, yeah? And they have like the um, salted caramel milkshake. It's like Ooh. the pre- salted pretzel caramel. It's, it's tremendous, and I think the shake's like six or seven dollars. Tremendous, though. Well, worth it though. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, there, there you go. <laughs> there, there you have it. So yes, well worth it. Just, to, just depends on what it is and how good it tastes yeah i mean look i don't mind paying i don't mind paying for food as long as as long as you get my my money's worth absolutely uh so anyways uh there this is where she describes the plot of her her tv pilot which basically it's it's charlie's angels it's really it's absolutely charlie's angels with, with extra women Yep, with a couple extra chicks. But but a lot of people theorize that this is actually the inspiration for Pulp for, for uh, Kill Bill. Could make sense too. Or and not only that, people have said that the Kill Bill movies are fictional movies within the Tarantino universe because you know all all the films take place within the same world. Sort of like the whole John Hughes thing too. Do they? oh yeah, the, I guess well, she has, she's having a baby and. Well, because they talk about because they talk about the beginning of Planes, Trains. You see Kevin Bacon, so they figure that they connect that. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? But she's having, although they're watching, she's having a baby later in that movie, which is weird. But they also say that like I think Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is going on the same day as like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something like that. Or I, I, I think, forget. I think the same day as Home Alone. Or Home Alone, yeah. No, no, no. That, that would make any sense. That's no, funny. because that's the Home Alone house, though. It, maybe it is. No, no. The, the thing is that they live on the same street. Okay, maybe. Oh, uh, well. Okay, what were we talking about? Pulp Fiction. Talk about Pulp Fiction. Well, 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 that's what you're saying, though. You're saying, like, basically how these, like, these waves of movies are, like, right. are, like, hypothesized to connect together. Right. So, but anyways, uh, you find out that her character specialty was knife, which is funny because be- her character, Beatrice Kiddo's character specialty was a sword, and that she, her character was descended from an old Bob Billion, and her whole, like, running gag was going to be that every week she was going to have a new vaudeville joke. Yeah. 
probably a good thing this, this series did get picked up because it doesn't sound very good. No, it should be directed by Elizabeth Banks. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> was that too soon? Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. No, no, it's not too soon. That, that was a good one. Good. Props. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> uh, we bring her $5 shake. We find out that it is that apparently it is damn good. Not sure if it's worth $5, but it is a damn good shake. Uh, so, yeah, Vincent, uh, t- Vincent takes off, and he, com- he comes back. He's like, okay, you know what? I want you to leave. Come back. Uh, you better have some good conversation. And you, you see the two of them throughout this whole scene that they actually really do have a really good chemistry. Yeah, they do. And a lot of that's pro- given the performance, especially John Travolta, who this was his, like, big comeback. Yeah, because if you think about it, like, earlier, like, earlier Travolta, really, he this is, like, really what really kind of stapled his career moving forward. You know what I mean? Obviously, well, I mean, he had Grease, but I'm, like... For, for the time, because, like, you know, he did Grease and Saturday Night Fever, which got him an Oscar nom, surprisingly. I but just, still, like... Not that you look bad performance, it's just, like, it's a weird thing to get an Oscar nom for. But, I mean, it's the same guy who's, look, who's talking. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I know. He, he had, like, a he had like a really good early start, then just a crap run, and this was the one that really kind of really kind of put him back on the map for sure which is funny because mikey's bruce willis uh, so true. it's kind of have them back together again but like but i was saying like it's it put it back on that which is funny because that, that's something that tarantino's but he's known for he's known for like pulling these actors from like out from obscurity and putting them like back in the forefront like look what look we did for walton goggins career or you know someone like uh someone like uh Vivica fox or michael or michael madsen or like he he has a, a knack for like either rekindling career or Jennifer Jason Leigh hateful eight perfect example or or even the um Bell Bondsman and uh, Jackie Brown oh this yes Robert Forster Robert Forster yeah yeah he, he he's had a knack for like taking these actors who've like been forgotten and kind of just bringing them back Christopher Nolan did the same thing a lot of time but look at Anthony Michael Hall in uh, Dark Knight yeah. But yeah, like this this was the start of uh the Travolta Sons, which lasted approximately from ninety four to uh two thousand three. I'm sorry, not two thousand three. When was it? Let's what see. are you talking about? I'm trying to figure out when this is, 2000, which, 2000. I was gonna say Phenomenon came out, it was a big hit for him in ninety ninety six. Yeah, I mean get get um, yeah, we've all this all this shorty with shorties, 95. Phenomenon, Broken Arrow, Phenomenon, Broken Arrow, Face Off, Thin Red Line, uh Primary Colors. And then he completely tanked his own his own renaissance uh, in 2000 with Battlefield Earth. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was a short lived it was a short lived but very good renaissance. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, me 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 goes to the restroom to uh, <clears throat> powder her nose. You know, in, mean? Qu- in in quotes in quotes. Uh, and then he gets the question. So he, he asked he asked about Tony Rocky Horror, the guy who got thrown out the window. Yeah, so he he did. Uh, she she does know Tony. Yeah, she does know Tony. She does know that he was uh, push. Or I'm sorry, he fell out a window. <laughs> <laughs> and he and even like he's like, I heard it was because of a foot massage. And he's like, and what else? And he's like, uh, that's it. And she and she, she had the same reaction as everybody else. She was like, are you an idiot? Yeah, like really, he's gonna like lose his mind over a foot massage. I mean, I get it, but I mean, come on, like, like come on, you use your brain. Uh, so yeah, we find out that whatever reason, whatever reason that Tony was thrown out a window, which for that we never find out in, in this whole movie, it was not because of Mia Wallace. Yeah. 
So I, I've always been curious what what actually happens between the two of them. I'd like to know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, we get another another famous scene in the movie the the twist off or not the, twist off, the twist contest. Oh yeah. Uh, so basically, what this is the two of them. Uh, so they have a Jack Russell. They have a twist contest. And Mio, her exact words were, "I want that trophy." That's very important for later in the movie. We'll get we'll get into why. Uh, so yeah, uh, John Travolta, man known the world over for his dance moves. Uh, and yeah, here is no different. He put he is he still he still got it. Or still no, they, in 1984. for sure. And Uma Thurman, I, I just like their totally improvised dance moves to Chuck Berry's uh, song. I just think it's so funny. Is this Chuck Berry? Chuck Berry sings the song, yeah. It's we should also know that there's actually no score in this movie. Mm-mm. It's all it's all like actual soundtrack. Yeah, it's all it's all it's all soundtrack. It's all like song being played on the radio. Which is another by the way, which is another a bright light to this to the to the film too. I think that the songs, even uh the uh, Girl You'll Be a Woman, it's a Neil Diamond song, but it's um not the Neil Diamond version in the in the film. I but I I just like his usage of these songs though in the film. Yeah, he put he puts together some really really cool soundtracks. Yeah, but Chuck Berry does this one. It's um shows you can ah oh, oh, man, I forgot the oh, name song. It's like a just you just, never can tell. That's it. You never can tell. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're going, and I, what I something I do love is the fact that like they're they're serious, they're stone faced the entire time. Yeah. So like even in this scene, it's supposed to be like really fun. You're still on edge. You're just like the axe is gonna drop. I just don't know how. Yeah. So uh, they go back to Mia's place, and they have the trophy, and they're like th- they're like this close to actually like doing something with each other. Yeah. So they they, they realize okay, yeah, we need to call it quits. You know, she's like, you want to have a drink? It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the restroom first. Which, by the way, a recurring theme of the recurring theme of this movie is the fact that something bad happens every time Vincent goes to the bathroom. This is true. Yeah, so uh, he goes, and she's wearing Vincent's jacket right now, and she finds the drugs in in his pocket, which she is, which she blindly assumes cocaine. Yeah, but so she snorts it, and just has like a really she 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 ODs. <laughs> really bad reaction, man. You really can tell by her reaction. eyes, man. Yeah, she's just like just the way she's like jittering, and props to Thurman just for the physicality in this role, the way she's like jittering, the way she just. She she convulses. She really she really really does tell us over this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So uh, she so uh, Vincent comes out of the bathroom. She sees that Mia has fucked herself up really good, like really bad. Yeah, really bad. So she so he gets in his car. Which, by the way, they established earlier that he had in storage for like five years while he while he was in Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was also keyed, so it was keyed in like the the two days he had it out, which fucking sucks. <laughs> Probably went to the bathroom before it got keyed. Yeah, I was gonna say he had shit luck. Don't go to the bathroom. <laughs> Don't never go to the bathroom, Vincent. So he calls Lance, who was sitting there eating fruit fruit. Great product placement. Uh, and he says like, uh, yeah, I got someone who's ODing. He's like, Don't bring her here. And he's doing. And keep in mind, he's doing this all on an open phone line, which also plays in the fact that Vincent is just cluelessly naive. Which I love how Lance is like, "Oh, this is a uh, you have the wrong number, uh, prank, prank caller, caller prank, prank caller. caller." 
Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know who this is. Uh, don't, don't call her again. Prank caller. Prank, prank caller. Because, <laughs> you know, that, this, was, this was like 90s paranoia where we, where we all thought like the government was watching all our phone calls. Yeah, which they're clearly doing way more now. So Yeah, they're, they're definitely doing that way more now. Right? Oh, absolutely. They still don't do it like this. They don't monitor everything. No, but they definitely they, – they can get their paper trail on you if they want to. They can if they want to. Oh, absolutely. If you give a reason to. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> – uh, he go, he comes and he crashes the car into his to like Lance's garage, which is sad to see because it is a really nice car. Yeah, and he's just really strung out on drugs. Yeah, well, but also like you can you you see the desperation in it. you see the desperation in his performance just because. Oh yeah, you know what's yeah. gonna happen. He's like, this is Marcellus Wallace's wife. It's gonna it's gonna kill him if Marcellus is gonna kill him if he if his wife like ends up dying or ODing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I love the fact that, Mar- that Lance understands who he said. This, this is Marcellus Wallace's wife. He's just like, oh shit. Yeah. So now it's like a big deal because it's like, well, well, shit. We need to make sure that we do everything we can to get her revived, uh, because we don't want to be on the chopping block with Marcellus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they have a, an adrenaline kit. This is such a great scene. Oh, this is this is, this is a fantastic scene. Great scene. <laughs> I, they, they keep they keep stopping to yell at each other. Just like. He's like, get the shot. I'm getting the shot. She's not telling me to get the shot. And then he's like, get the shot. And it's back and forth. And it doesn't sound very funny, but the way it's executed, it's it's hilarious. Meanwhile, he's trying to draw a bull, like a bullseye on her uh, on her chest cavity. Yeah, you gotta like draw like right where her heart is. Or her heart, yeah. No. And I do love the deal back and forth. Just like, am I giving the shot? Or you're giving the shot. Whether they're trying to decide who gives the shot, that's that's another great piece of dialogue. And yeah, so he has a needle full of adrenaline. He's got to like get into get into her heart, but. He's got to break through the breastplate, so he's got to like he's he got to hit it hard, it down super hard, like Michael Myers stabbing a, a, a knife. Michael Myers, Ghostface, take your pick. Yes, take your pick of any random random movie serial killer. Yes, and you got to go in. You got to go in there hard. Yes. So, uh, so Vince Vince is lining lining up the shot. He's got it, and this the way the scene builds like three, two. One and it just brings it down and then he's back to life. Which the funny thing about this scene is actually shot. It was actually shot in reverse. Oh really? Yeah, this scene was like yeah, it, it was yeah, it was shot in reverse and played backwards to get the, oh, to get the effect okay. right. Nice. It, it, but like it, it, it's seamless the way it plays in the movie. Oh, and it's so memorable too. You remember Uma Thurman popping right up. I also like love the scene that which which arcade is this? Is it Rosanna? Uh, Rosanna Arquette. Because okay, there's there's two there's two Arquettes in this movie. We'll get we'll get to the other one later. But yeah, she's she just had like the perfect lines, like kind of the diffuse, like that was fucking trippy. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So yeah. Uh. She he drops he drops me off at home, and he just like yeah. If Marcellus Wallace if Marcellus Wallace can ever find out about this, that'd be great. Yeah. Seriously. He's just like I mean I'd be in much trouble as you. Just like. I, I, I seriously doubt that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So then we hear we hear the we hear the joke that was built up over in the film. So it's uh, three tomatoes walking down the street. Papa tomato, mama tomato, baby tomato. Baby tomato is falling behind. Papa tomato goes behind, steps on him, and says, "Catch up." Ah. That's a good way to again good good way to close out this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, and that's pretty much where this, where this vignette ends. And then we cut to 
I'm also not sure what. It looks like some like foreign cartoons. No, we get a flashback, don't we? We get a no, flashback no, it, of it, Butch. It, it is a, it is a flashback, but like the flashback is like a foreign cartoon. One of the, one of those oh, old yeah. cartoons where yeah. they're animating the mouth. They put yeah. like a human mouth over it. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, something cho- super cheesy. Yeah, so uh, we uh, we meet a young Butch, which Bruce Willis's character, and he's being approached by this army colonel, Colonel Coots, played by Christopher Walken. Who he's bas- he basically he knew his father. And he is there to give him this gold watch. It's been in his family's for I think like three generations. I think this is his great grandfather's watch. Which the greatest thing about it is, like he literally could have done this within like a couple minutes, a couple seconds. But here's your watch. But he goes into this huge fucking story that we're going to talk into about. The backstory, which it's hilarious. Yeah. So basically, what happened was his grandfather got this watch, passed it on. His great grandfather got his watch, passed it on to his grandfather. His grandfather went to war, and then uh, I think he was I think he was captured. Yeah, he was captured. He was captured, so he he wanted to keep this watch away. <laughs> he wanted to keep this oh watch God. from the Germans. So it's so random. Only one place he could hide this watch. Uh, up his ass. Up his ass. Up, like that. up his ass. He ended up his ass. <laughs> and then you know, gave it, it to his father, who also got captured in a POW camp. Oh, <laughs> so once man. again, in Hanoi, had to keep a watch up his ass. <laughs> and this is. I understand why it's had to be Christopher Walken because no one else can make this dialogue work. And say it straight face like Walken, though. Yeah, because this is, this is the only Walken can do. So, it's like, he, so yeah, he, he his dad ended up dying of dysentery. Dysentery. So he gave the watch to Christopher, Christopher Walken. Just like, so there I was. I had to keep this three years. This uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass. <laughs> I hope that watch was clean because if not, holy shit. Seriously. Literally. Yeah, so you're just like, I kept this watch, your grandfather kept this watch, your dad kept this watch, and here you go. Yeah, this was heading up three assholes. Up up, th- up three asses. For now, you. Up, up, up to you. You better so, you better use this. You better appreciate it. You better keep track of it. You better not let your French girlfriend lose it when you're moving out. Yes. That'll come back later. That'll come back later. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what weird advice. I wonder what he meant by that. <laughs> this brings us to our next segment, the gold watch. So the gold watch is—it's basically the—it's—it's it's Butch's story. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's said to be. It's the story of Bruce Willis's character. So um, the, remember, remember that fight he was talking about with Marcellus Wallace? Well, this—we don't—we don't actually see the fights. Yeah. Granted, granted, I'd like to see Tarantino do a Rocky movie, but but uh, <laughs> we instead hear the aftermath. So it's, we hear it through a radio through the, through Bruce Willis's cab driver. Uh, we find out that not only did he not only did he win the fight, uh, but he killed the other guy. That is not taking a fall in the fifth. That is not going down in the fifth round. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like likewise, uh, Marcellus Wallace he, he isn't too happy. No. So yeah, we we cut to the interior of the other locker room, and yeah, Marcellus is pissed. Vincent's with him, but Jules is not there. Was so it, you start thinking like what ha- what happened to him? Yeah, uh, we we see uh you know we, we see me and Vincent share like a look not not a look but like share words like oh forgot to thank forgot to thank you about last night <laughs> meaning she she OD'd yesterday and she said she looks fine now yeah uh so yeah so this is like yeah uh, you better you better find his ass right now and. 
Someone who doesn't get enough credit for performance in this movie is Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is actually really good in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's a lot different than you're normally seeing him, I guess, like at the time. I mean, you got to understand mid-90s, Willis was pretty much kind of like not really a big name as he was like in the 80s, early 90s, I would say. I think if that's safe to say that. No, I mean, no, I don't think it's unfair to say, but yeah, you're right. I mean, this is like mid to late 90s, so but this is coming big a deal. But Die Hard with Avengers, I think, I mean, like he was on his last gasp, I would say, with the Die Hard franchise. And then he really I mean, kind of just like... gave a boost? Yeah, that's what? That's 2001. Well, Six Sense 99. Or 99 too, yeah. Yeah, but like we, we were out of... Okay, okay, I guess what I'm trying to say is we were out of the action action star Bruce Willis. You know what I mean? And you're right. I think, and, you, and I would agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think this was this was a different role for him, and I think Quentin Tarantino really, you know, I think I, I don't know, I think they vibed well on this. I think Willis really showed a different side of his acting caliber. No, I agree, especially because yeah. of the scene where he's talking to uh, the cab driver Esmeralda. Yeah, and yeah, I I, I love his other way he describes the whole boxing fight, where he's just like, I mean, does it suck? Yeah, but do I feel bad? No, I don't. Because he's a fighter at the end of the day. He's a fighter, you know what I mean? Yeah, he really is. So he takes him to this motel, and he basically, well, not, he does do a phone booth. Turns out what he did was he took the money that Marcellus Wallace gave him and bet on himself. So he, so obviously, I'm pretty he, sure this is, yeah. Was, was this, this is like Pete Rose type stuff. No, this is this is exactly Pete Rose. <laughs> this is Pete Rose, Joe Joe Jackson. Yes, this is this is not a good thing. This could get you fired from your job super quick. Oh, this is gonna get you more than just fired. This will get you. This will get you, get you ineligible for the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, I don't think Butch was. Which according to Marcel, which according to Marcel, yeah. he wasn't making anyways. So. Yeah. So it's it's. Hey, he's seen it. He's seen an opportunity. He took it, man. So. Yeah. So uh, he bet he bet all the money on himself. Which he was, I believe he was the underdog in that fight, a very heavy underdog. So, yeah, the payday is working out pretty well. So, all he has to do is just meet his contact in. I, I forgot where his contact was. Yeah. But all he has to do is meet, all he has to do is meet his contact, and then he's, he's, in, he's free and clear. Yep. We also meet his girlfriends. Did they ever give her a name? I Did don't f- think so. I, I don't have a name here on my notes. I have Esmeralda, okay. that's the cab driver. Um, I, I just said meets his girlfriend. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we've ever got a name. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think she, he, he just called sugar pies, kind of like uh, yeah. Tim, kind of like uh, Tim and Amanda Plummer at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, just nicknames. Nickname. Uh, okay, here we go. So we have uh, his girlfriend. Oh, Fabian. That's right, Fabian. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. So. <laughs> Uh, her whole job was to pack up their apartment and go to and just meet at this hotel. Although hearing her for two minutes, you, you understand maybe this wasn't the best job to give her. No, because she's talking about like pot. She's talking about how she wants a pot belly, which is yeah, really weird. Aw- that, that whole pot, that whole pot belly tangent is, the, is weird. It's super weird. Like most, because it's not how most women would talk. And I think that's yeah. kind of just yeah. Well, I mean, she is French, so I'll give her a pass on that. But I wonder if Tarantino uh, just did that to be Tarantino. <laughs> I would maybe. not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. But honestly, like this, this segment is probably the weakest part of the movie for me. Yeah, I, I don't know if you agree. No, I don't. Yeah, think, yeah. I don't think I build. I don't think it builds strong as a connection with Butch 
as the movie wants me to. I do I do still care about him in the end, and especially when something really bad happens to him in a bit. But yeah. it's kind of it's kind of scenes like this more that this one movie like really just slows to a crawl. I, I think this is the scene in the film. I think where we, when we're building up, building up. I think this is kind of where we're like kind of kind of coasting. It's kind of getting like a little bit boring, a little bit flat. I would say. Yeah, that. but uh, she discusses her desire for a pot belly. Her and, Bruce, her and Bruce Willis do the old Devil's Tango, and then we cut to. I'm not sure if it's the next morning or later that night. But we cut to later, which is uh, weird. Bruce, yeah, that that whole time thing's off because it's like bright out. Yeah, like I cannot. Day, yeah. I cannot tell what time it is in the next scene because he wakes up, they're in the shower. We see Bruce's Willis and they're discussing what they're going to have for breakfast the next morning. I think it's, this is the breakfast conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're just talking about blueberry pancakes and a puppet. Again, this is not the person you want to clear out your stuff. If the mob's coming after you No. Uh, but anyways, uh, Bruce, Will- Bruce Willis gets out of the shower. He passes out on the bed and it wakes up. And I think it's still the morning. <laughs> Yeah, because he's wearing the same exact thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a little yeah, bit, a little bit I, weird with the time frame on that. Yeah, I, I, I still, I've seen it like six times. I still can't tell what. It's what, the way Tarantino shoots it because I feel like did he fall asleep then wake up? Like, yeah, did, like, did, yeah. Is, is this like six in the morning? Then he woke up at ten in the morning? Is it just kind of like a dream? Like, I, yeah, is it noon? I'm not sure. The way Tarantino shoots it, it's confusing because you don't know whether it's the next day. Was he just kind of imagining this? Like, you don't know really what the time frame is on that. But anyways, uh, he wakes up. Fabian's watching a car chase movie, which somebody who knows a lot more about, old, about you know, 60s action films can tell you the title of, not me. Um, he got, he, he's looking through, and lo and behold, the watch that was built up so much in the last, in the last like, two scenes ago yeah. is not there. You had one job. <laughs> you had one. No, literally, you had. And like, we don't say it in the figure of speech. He literally yeah. said, "I told you. I told you you can burn everything else, but do don't not forget. forget the watch. Don't forget the watch. So obviously, the one thing that you tell her, she forgets. Yeah. So uh, he he freaks out, which I, I I do believe this this would have been the reaction. What if he found out he was going to do Die Hard Five? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he freaks out. He trashed the hotel room, which, uh, buddy, you got to pay for that. And he decides that, well, I have I have one option. I got to go get that watch. Well, I mean, you had two options. I mean, you could have fall you could have fallen asleep with your dad, your granddad, and Colonel Coots, and you know, just you know, yeah, stick that watch right up there. But no, you but no, you decided to leave it in her hands, and this is what you get. So he's got to go back to the apartment, and uh, it's funny in this scene. So I remember how I said earlier that Mia said she really wanted that trophy. Well, it's an Easter egg. There's a radio broadcast that can be heard in this scene. Turns out they didn't actually win that trophy. They stole it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a fun. I think it's a fun little. It's a fun little way to tie that tie that thing back. So he parks like the smart thing is he parks like six blocks away. Yeah, and walks to his apartment. So he he walks in. He finds his watch, but he also sees like a Mac Ten. Well, no, I take it back. He for some reason stops to make himself some like dollar store pop darts. Yeah, because that's what you would do if you knew people were going to be chasing you. I was like, I got, I got time for a quick snack. Yeah, these are easy. We got this. <laughs> this, this is like the best advertisement of Pop-Tarts I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, but, so he, he puts them in the oven, but he sees like a Mac-10 on, on his counter. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, the person that got sent to find him was Vincent. But where, is, just, where is Vincent? Dot, dot, dot. 
in the bathroom. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he's got he's got the gun on him. He's, he's got the gun on him. I do think this is a good way to set up this whole his whole exchange. I do wish they had like some kind of dialogue between them. I do too, because it happens so suddenly. Yeah, but realistically, it's, it's, it's that's not how, probably not how it would have gone down. No, but I mean what does happen like, yeah. is the to- the toaster cracks. He unloads on Vincent, and yeah, he's fucking dead. Yeah, that was such a shocker. Um, when like initially watching it, I remember. I remember I was really shocked because I thought, you know, obviously Vincent and Jules were like the main characters of Pulp Fiction, and then all of a sudden, yeah, he's gone. It's like wow. Yeah, I I, I didn't. I, I was yeah. shocked too the first time I saw it. I was like, wait, did he just die? Yeah, is it like, percent- like one of the main characters? Well, this is obviously when you when you see the framing of Tarantino, how he frames this. Obviously, okay, wait a minute. So these things are happening. Okay, so he's this is before he dies. So then you're, you're kind of really trying to follow along with the storyline with the film. And you, you do kind of feel bad. You, still, you do find it kind of feel specifically for Vincent because you had just gotten like an hour, an hour to an hour 15 just connecting with this character, and now he's fucking gone. Yeah. Yeah, so it sucks, but... And then I, can't, I can't even say he went like a boss because he went because he he basically died because of his own negligence. Really, and he and honest to God though, he's not even that menacing. Really, he's no, he's really, really not. He's really, really not. He's like probably like if you're gonna have Jules or Vincent follow, like you know, follow you. I would rather have Vincent. I mean, he's more tame. He's tamer. Although um, we do know why why it's not Jules later in the movie, which we'll yeah. get to. Yeah, but it's it's also funny. Like my. Uh, when I was watching with my sister, she was just like, when he first came up, she just said, "That wig is so bad, <laughs> like so bad." And I can't, and I can't disagree with her because it is. It's not yep. a good wig. Uh, so yeah, he uh, he gets he gets out of there and he starts driving. He starts driving away, and he he stopped at like a stoplight. When lo and fucking behold, guess who just so happens to be walking across the street at that exact time? What are the odds? Seriously, what are the odds? Because not only did he have to stop at this place in particular, but at this same to, light, at the same light, at he had to be time. the first one. He had to be the first one in line, and just had to be there on Marcel's walls without getting his donuts. And he just so happened to like look over because I think that's when he looks over it and sees Butch, right? Yeah, and this and yeah. this is this is the first time we see Marcellus Wallace's face. Yeah, <laughs> he's love the lines. It's like motherfucker, and he just yeah. he just rams his ass, which is really funny. Yeah, and then he he rams him, and he gets to a car accident himself, like just a few feet away. Just if that if that car was there, he would have been he would have been like free and gone. Yeah, seriously. But, he, but uh, you know, fun fact: one of the I think one of the women that surrounds Marcellus Wallace is either Marcellus Wallace or. Um, What's his name? Butch. One of those women is Kathy Griffin. I don't know if you noticed. Really? Yeah. I'll have to go. I'll have to rewatch that. Kathy Griffin's in that scene. When she actually got work. Which, yeah, that's true. When she got work. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, she, so uh, he's like, "I'll be done." And he just pulls out. He just pulls out a pistol. Yeah. And I do find I do find the scene to be funny because he can't get a shot off because he's still like, so discombobulated. Yeah. And from that, from here, we get maybe the. Most comically tense chase I've seen in a movie. Oh, because hilarious. Neither, neither of these guys can can like stay up. They're tum- they're tumbling over each other. Yeah. They're they're knocking they're knocking into things. Uh, they're firing off shots and this they it's it, this the way this this scene is just like staged and choreographed. I think it's I think it's very well done and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be funny. Yeah, it's like Peter and a chicken in uh, 
Family Guy. Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just looks so. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so over the top that it's like you have to laugh at it. It's just it's funny. Yeah, he wanders in. He wanders in a pawn shop and gets the jump on. He gets the jump on Marcellus. Yeah, he literally he's got him dead to rights. And right as you hear that, get off the. Yeah, we're in the entertainment movie. Get off the nigger right now. <laughs> yeah. It just so happens to be a Confederate. Yeah, they just so happen to wander yeah. into, into, a, into uh, you know, the convenience store of a not the, the pawn shop of a southerner. Yeah, of course. Odds. Yeah, in 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 the West Coast, in, in in L.A. In L.A. too. Seriously, I can see if the shit was in the South, but I mean, come on, it's L.A. Yeah, I'm going, come on, come on. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, he knocks them both out and they wake up. They're wearing ball gags, which, you know, is never a good thing. Never a good thing unless you are Fifty Shades of Grey. Even that's so, not a good thing. Even sometimes it's not that good, though. <laughs> you know what's scary? Eventually we're going to have to look at those movies. We are. And you know what? Uh, I'm okay with it. I, I am. Really? I think, you know what? Honestly, I've seen all three of them. I mean, they're they're not good, but it's like we've seen we've seen we've seen worse. We've been there. We've you're, been the you're right. We, we we have seen worse. We, we we have seen the mountaintop. We have. We've been to the top of that. We've been at, at the top of Everest. We've planted the flag on top of Everest. We have not seen a a movie as bad as Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas. Yeah, we have not. Uh, but back, back, back to Pulp Fiction. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so he calls up he calls up his buddy, a cop named Zed, played by Peter Green. You may recognize from uh, Usual Suspects. He was Redfoot. I know him as uh, the villain from Blue Streak. Remember that movie, Martin Lawrence? Oh, Martin Lawrence, yeah. Yeah, I like that movie. Uh, yeah, so anyway, he shows up. And this. Th- I think if you look at characters in this movie who just make the most out of like little screen time, I think Zed would be the number one. Probably, yeah. Because I, I, I want to say he's not even there for like five minutes. But he... He owns every scene he's in. For sure. It's the way he talks, the way he moves. There's just something off about this guy. And I, I like Peter Green as an actor. I think he's pretty underrated, and I think he's really good in this film. For the little bit he has. Yeah. Uh, we find out that they have a gimp, so you're like, okay, this is this is not good. This is not going to end well for one of these guys. And so he goes. He does the whole any mini mighty mo for Walking Dead right into the ground. And lo and behold, Marcellus Wallace is it. Oh boy, that's so they so they leave Butch in the under the watch of the Gimp, which is probably not the person you want to leave to, to keep yeah. watching the guy. Yeah, I w- that's like put that's like bathing the blood in, in front of the shark. Yeah, not yeah, not only not only can he not move because he's chained to a wall, but he's got his mouth zipped up. Yeah, he's this guy. Yeah, he's into some super freaky shit. Yeah, but anyway, Butch, Butch gets out, knocks out the gimp, and he's about to leave. But something I do like is the fact that just, even though Marcellus Wallace, even though Marcellus Wallace tried to kill him, and he screwed him out of money, Butch still has a conscience. So he goes back, and that's I like that too. Yeah, so he, like really, he's like out the door. All he has to yeah. do is walk out, and he's free and clear. But he decides to go back and and save him. But and. Before he does that, he got he has to pick a weapon though. So he like gets got the baseball bat, yeah. picks up like a little chainsaw, and then he sees the one, the samurai <laughs> sword. Yes, and, and, and as only Tarantino would have have that in there. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, because if it works for Michelle Young, Crash Dagger, Hidden Dragon, it works for me too. Absolutely. Oh, that wasn't a thing at this point. So uh, he grabbed the sword, and this is 
this is a crazy scene because, th- like, you, you wonder what they're doing to Mar- to Marcellus Wallace in the next room. They are, they are, well, they're, how do, how do I put this? They're, they're riding the, they're riding the Black Stallion. Let's put it like this. He's going to have to sit down with a pillow for the next several days. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way to put it. And I love the way he gets to jump on the guy who owns the store. He just like he just like taps him on the shoulder and just like slices and just like slices him across the chest. Which is and awesome, then he does the yeah. whole then he does like the whole thing, just like the like the put like the push back without looking. The ha yeah. yeah. And then he just like falls down. Which is great, yeah. Yeah, so uh he, so Zed gets off of Marcellus and then he's got him in a corner, and then he back you see Marcellus while with a shotgun you and for a second you think like, Oh god, but just screwed. Which you but think, yeah. He, but then, no, he pulls a Robocop and shoots, and shoots Zed in the dick. Which is With great. a shotgun. Yeah, it's just like... And you, you feel just as good watching that as you do when, when Robocop shot the rapist in the dick in Robocop. For sure, because for sure, you're like, yeah, this guy deserves this. Yeah, and he's just, and he's just like, okay, look, no one's going to hear about this. Yeah, I'm gonna call some people over here, and we are going. We are going to. I love the line. Just like, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear Billy boy. I ain't finished with you yet. I'm gonna get medieval on your ass. <laughs> and so you're just like, okay, look, I appreciate what you did. Just leak this. Get out of L.A. I never see you again, and we're good. <laughs> and yeah, he, he just, which is probably probably for the best that he came back. Because yeah, say, for like, sure. say that he left, say that he left and left Marcel Wallace to die. Someone would have found out, and they would have been gunning for his ass. Yeah, if they so knew it, he was, and then he was there. So yeah. in essence, he he covered his own ass by going back for Marcellus. Yeah, but either yeah. way, it's, it's, it was it was it was the right thing to do for sure. So he t- he takes Zed's bike, goes to see Fabian, who did not get sadly did not get her blueberry pancakes. Yes, he had to do bananas. Oh, poor, poor one, poor one out for blueberry pancakes. Seriously, if, if that's the toughest day that that, if that's the toughest day that any character has in this uh, film. You know what I mean? Cry me a river. <laughs> Cry me a river. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, we, and then we get the, then we get what would be the final line if you rearrange some chronological order. Zed's dead, honey. Zed is dead, and they <laughs> drive off into the sunset. Uh, and then we get to the last segment of the film. I. There's a title for this one. I can't Bonnie situation. Was, the Bonnie situation. Thank you. That's it. The yep. Bonnie situation. So this is when we go back to the beginning of the movie. We go back to the whole Vincent and Jules into in that apartment building. Yep. You know, when, they, when they're about to shoot Brett. We actually hear the dialogue when he's about to shoot Brett. Although it's from the point of view of a guy in the bathroom. And this is, is Rosanna Arquette? Alex Arquette? No, but it's one of the Arquettes. I have no idea. I think it, it's, it's, it's everyone died. I think it's Alexis. It might be her, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, he he was still a no, no. He was still a her at this point, but he, he looks like he looks <laughs> yeah. like a guy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he listens. He listens to them shoot Brett, and we find out that the reason they were able to find this place is because their contacts. Lamar. No, wait, not no. Lamar's the actor. Uh, crap. Is Why it Mar- his name? It's it's not Marvin. Yeah, it is Marvin. Is it? Yeah. He's played by Phil Lamar, who was a okay. voice actor. He voiced uh, Green Lantern in the Justice League cartoon. He voiced Samurai Jack. He, really, really talented dude. And so, yeah, he's so yeah. There, he's freaking out in the corner, and at, from like out of nowhere, 
Alexa Arquette busts in. He's like, die, motherfucker. Then just unloads on them. Yeah. <laughs> and all the way to the stage because he literally like unloads all six bullets and, and nothing hits them. Yeah. It's, it's like a stormtrooper. Literally, like, like the world's worst stormtrooper. Seriously. And even, and even like the way Jules and Mason look at it, it's like, wait, what? I like how, yeah, how okay. they look at each other like, motherfucker. Like, yeah, they all yeah, they just, had that look back and forth to each other. I like it. Yeah, this is a really great scene. They're just like, why did you tell us about the guy in the bathroom? But yeah, they see that they see that all the bullets right behind him, and this really sets something off in Jules, who we now we now find out is actually well, basically no, we don't now find it out, but we realize is how deep his religion goes, or how deep his faith goes. This is a, this is a better faith based film than God's Not Dead. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're driving off, and we we see that Jules deciding that he he decided he wants to quit. Yeah, this is his, he, this is his final go. Yeah, he decides he's going to tell Marcel Walls that he's gonna he's gonna quit. He's not going to be a hitman anymore. He's gonna he's gonna go about his about his business. And this is the one trying to convince him to stay. You put together like this is why he's not in later scenes of the film. Yeah, I guess Cause earlier he, scenes of the film. Yeah, because he's 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 quitting. He wants to get out. Yeah, so uh, this is, this is not one of my favorite scenes in the film, uh, where he's just like talking to Mar- where the, like Vince is talking to Marvin, where he's just like, "What do you think I'm about, about all this?" And he's like, "I," Marvin's like, "I don't even have an opinion." Vince turns around, "You gotta have an opinion. <laughs> do you think God came down from heaven?" And forty minutes of sentence, he just shoots Marvin in the face, yeah, by, by totally by accident, which is hilarious. It does kind of startle you when you're watching it, though. Yeah, but because it comes like right out of nowhere, and like the character is almost shocked as you are. Yeah, yeah. So, and you and you understand like they're on the, they're in the middle of an LA street in broad daylight. So yeah. yeah, this is not good. No, not a good thing. So they got to find a contact in the area. Who uh, their but their buddy Jules's buddy Jimmy. They go there to sack the car at his place, and yeah, Jimmy is played by our director cameo Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just like, okay, look, I will let you, I will let you stay for a little bit, but my, my wife is about to, well, okay. He doesn't say it exactly like this because it has way more N words. Yes. Than I'm, gonna, than I'm going to say right now. Yes. So he's, he basically, he basically says, look, get, like, just get him out of here. My wife gets off in like, I think it was like, a, like an hour. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I think I think I think she got up at like eight or nine, and it was like an hour away. So they need to get they need to get done fast. And you know, a, a big criticism of Tarantino's movies a lot of time are Tarantino himself. What, what do you think of his acting in this scene? Um, in, in this in his whole vignettes, it's like over the top. I mean, but it's Tarantino though, so I mean, you kind of go, eh. it's kind of like beating a dead horse with his dialogue. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's repeating the things a lot. We get it. Like your wife has to come home, and that's obviously Bonnie in the Bonnie situation. The title of it, Bonnie, is his, is his girlfriend or is his wife or whatever. Right. So that's that's obviously who Bonnie is in this whole entire thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Tarantino goes over the top on this. I think it's you know, I mean, did we? I mean, I get it because we 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 name it the Bonnie situation, so we obviously have to have Jimmy in it. But I think he could have. Uh, I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of like over the over the top. Yeah, I, yeah, I think like I said, it's, it's a common Tarantino's a common gripe. Yeah, when he puts himself in his own movies, like a bit, like a big gripe people have about Django and Chain is his cameo. Yeah, because because his accent's not very good. I'll admit, but, it, but, but in all the more, movies, his accent's not very good. 
but he's like narcissistic like that where he wants to be in it. So I get it. You know what I mean? It's one of those, yeah, and, hey, 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 it's me. It's just kind of like, you know, how Hitchcock did cameos in his films, kind of like paying homage to the directors that used to show up and make cameos in their films. Right, so, so, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I get, I get what people do. Yeah, I get you. So, uh, so, Jules, so uh, Jules calls Marcellus and he's just like, OK, look, we need we need help. And Marcellus Wallace is he's like, OK, you know what? I'm just chill. I'm gonna send the wolf. That's all you had to say. <laughs> Which something I, I don't know if you picked up on this that I that I started to pick up one more when we watched it. I think that I started to think that maybe Mia Wallace is like a trophy wife. I don't think she's with Marcellus Marcellus because like she actually loves him. I think she's with him because of his status and because of his bunny. Yeah, no, I, I could totally see that. Uh, yeah, because because you you never see them really interact. Obviously, don't even see them interacting. And she's more of yeah, she's more of like the the money hungry type woman in this film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think uh, that's something I picked up on and and subsequent viewings. So uh, he puts a call to this dude called the Wolf. Again, we don't see we don't see his face. We're getting a lot of build up to this guy. But we <laughs> within the first like two minutes of introdu- introduction, you know that he is he is business. He's he an important. Like 30 minutes, he's, He's an important guy. Like 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. <laughs> and literally the guy comes on the screen like nine minutes, 53 seconds later. He yeah. pulls up. Yeah. And the wolf is played the wolf is played by Harvey Keitel. Worked with Tarantino on his last movie, Reservoir Dogs with Mr. White. And yeah, he's I mean, you all want breaking bad, but he's basically what uh crap, what's his Jonathan Banks' character in Breaking Bad was. He comes in when there's like a really bad crime situation and he comes and he fixes it so he tasks uh jules and vincent to go clean the car he didn't say please though that's a very important thing that vincent points out well, you know what the funny part about this is like winston really does nothing in this film all he really does is really just tell people to do stuff literally keep them on task that's really he, they really don't need they don't need winston at all in this that's true let's give us, let's give us seriously think a, about it like a phone call give us some instructions because because you think that he cleans the car uh-uh no jules yeah jules and vincent are cleaning the car which by the way he all the, jules is also cleaning the back seat instead of vincent even though he's the one that shot the guy yeah seriously totally doing his bitch work yeah um, i was just yeah, yeah and even he has a reaction it's like wait a minute why am i doing this we're but switching it's fun, but it's funny because at the car you see like it's there's like blankets or like whatever draped over them so it's not like you really didn't need to clean it that thoroughly i guess and you're also gonna have the car well spoiler you're gonna have the car destroyed the next scene anyways yeah so it doesn't it totally you're doing it literally for nothing but yeah winston really does nothing but just to keep them on pace that's all he i does. never know i never noticed that's a good yeah. point uh he's, so anyways he's, he's pretty much like the uh the timekeeper i would say yeah so uh they get the car cleaned up and now they got to take care of their clothes and this is why later in the movie they're not wearing their you know their signature suits yep so they have them, they have them stripped down in the have them stripped down in the back wash them off with the hoe like they're about to go into jail yep let's <laughs> wait for them to like start, start throwing powder at him <laughs> and then uh and then they give him some of jimmy's clothes just like what do you think they look like dorks yeah they look like a couple of dorks he's just like ah there you are close <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they have to drive. They then drive to this impounding or uh, this junkyard, where that's where the car is going to go. Which means now, because of Vincent, Jules is out of a car. <laughs> Way to go! Thanks, Dick. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Yeah. And we clean that car. Why? 
Yeah, I'm just like, huh? Just throw, throw some blankets. I mean, I get clean the window, but throw some blankets over the seats and just Ser- do just as fine. Seriously, we didn't have to go through all that thorough cleaning. Yeah, so uh, they drop the car off at this junkyard, and then they're good. So then they go to uh, – they decide to go have breakfast, then they go to a diner. And this is where we find out what Jules is planning to do after he quits. It's like, I'm going to walk the earth. Which is funny because he said in an earlier scene he had a girlfriend. I'm not sure if this was, that was a lie because he also said his name was Pitt. So maybe maybe he was just you know, maybe he was just trying to lure his victims to a false sense of security. But regardless, say so he's gonna walk the earth, kind of like you know, Kane and Kung Fu. You know what I'm talking? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you no, know, Vince is just like, that's a bum. You're choosing to be a fucking bum. Yep. And it, but you're thinking like this title is kind of familiar, and because like they intercut a scene where we see our couple from the first movie, you know, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. They're, they're in the same diner, so yeah. we've, yeah, we've so, now returned back to the beginning of the film. Which is great, and I think that's a great way how Tarantino shoots it, because it's like, wait a minute, oh, okay. Just kind of how he did with the callback at the beginning of this Bonnie situation where we see the scene where the kid's hiding in the bathroom. I like how they kind of connect all this and they interweave this all together. Yeah, so Vincent decides, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom. When I get back, we're going to talk about this some more. So you know <laughs> something bad's about to go down. And lo and behold... Right as he go, right as he goes away, yay! This is when they decided to pull the whole. We're, we're robbing the store. We're robbing the, the restaurants. You motherfuckers! <laughs> Any one of you fucking pricks, move. <laughs> Amanda Plummer is so on unhinged in this scene. She's so good in this movie. Yeah, she's really good. You could tell that she totally would shit if somebody pulled like if somebody would like try to kind of like try to stand up to her because she's like so unhinged in this in this scene. Yeah. So, anyways. Uh, they're pull- but they picked the wrong time to rob the restaurant because you have a dude with a jerry curl who is a trained killer right in front of him. And who does not give a shit. Yeah, so he starts, he starts collecting the wallets and, you know, uh, Tim Roth's character who <laughs> I do like, I do like the fact that Duel starts to call him Ringo. Yeah. Yeah, so he just like, he, he asked for the case. And he just like, I can't do that. So he says, open it. And yeah, we see the glowing effects. And again, we never find out what it is. Just like, is that what I think it is? And he says, yes. And he says, it's beautiful. Why is it admiring? Oh, no. You got, you got a gun to your head now. <laughs> yeah. So was, I love the whole back and forth between uh, the whole shouting match. Like, tell that bitch to be cool. Tell that bitch to be cool. Yeah. It, it, is, it is super funny, though. Yeah. So this is, this, this, is what hap- this is what happens when you put in, <laughs> when you, uh, you know, this is what happens when you don't try to vet the customers you're robbing at the same time. So he's just like, look, I know you want this case, but I can't give it to you. So he gives him his wallets. It's just like, go, go in there, grab my wallets. He's like, which one is it? The one that says bad motherfucker? And it says, <laughs> and it actually says bad motherfucker on it. And sure as shit, it, it literally says that. Which, it, which is also written on his lightsaber. Or so he claims, which yeah. means, means it's probably true. I don't know why he'd lie about that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a detail you wouldn't lie about, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 can, I could see that being true. For sure. So, anyways, he's just like, "Look, just just take this, just take this money and get out of here." By that time, Vince has come out of the bathroom. Which, for the record, he is reading the same book that he was that he was holding when Butch shot him earlier in the movie. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do. I like attention to details of that. Yeah. And then he starts going. He starts going over his the same bio patch from earlier. He, he starts going over that again. Yeah. And, and let me pull. Let me pull over. Let me pull up that. Because it's it's very important. Uh, so, 
Yeah, so it basically says the path of the righteous, the path, of the, the whole path of the righteous man speech. Yeah, and it, it basically tells about how there's, uh, how it's, it's a righteous man who guards over, who guards over like a, a shepherd who guards over a flock, a flock of men, and yeah. protection from like evil and tyranny. Yeah. This whole time, and he hadn't really thought about what it said or what it meant. Yeah, he and he used to think that you know. He was he was the good man. He, yeah. he was the good man. And he was stopping the from tyranny, or maybe, or maybe you start to think that you know maybe he's not the good guy anymore. And he is he like normally the like, normally I would shoot you, but I'm in a transitional period, and I really want to be the bigger person here. So yeah. please just just leave. And he and he decided and yeah. Uh, Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer leave, and that's the end. Of the, that's the end of the segment. Yeah, and yeah, we just we see uh, Vincent and Joel walk out, and that's the end of the movie. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So, Russell, you want to give your overall thoughts on, on Pulp Fiction? Yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, Tarantino films. I really still think it has uh, held up. Um, how kind of how we said in the beginning, I love his dialogue in this whole entire film. I like the, you know, the character interactions and just the character building that he does, the storytelling that he does. Um, the two hours and 25 minutes, two and a half hours go by rather quickly. Um, a little bit of the scenes that muddle, obviously we had already talked about with Butch's scenes, I think kind of muddled down the film a little bit, but outside of that, I think the film really still stands on all fours pretty strong. Um, it, it's so amazing to watch Tarantino, uh, intricate the F word into this film so intrinsically, I think, how many times he that they've said the F word in this film. You also get Samuel Jackson kind of not kind of you you get him basically trademarking the word motherfucker. Yeah, this is where yeah, this is how uh, Sam Jackson how's it taste the uh, from the Chappelle which, show pretty much. Which is funny. You you there's actually so much of this movie because it helps him overcome a stutter. Oh really? Never. Yeah, that's the reason he uses that word so much. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, and and it's so iconic now. You cannot think of this film without Sam Jackson in this film. You also kids can't think of that word with that that thing of Samuel L. Jackson. No, and it's, yeah. it's 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 like it's almost synonymous with Pulp Fiction. No, yeah, it it really is. But and yeah, I agree. I think I, I this is still my favorite Tarantino film. I think it's great. I can watch it all the time, which is interesting. Which, I, I I know it's interesting because I didn't I said I didn't want to talk about this movie, but I do think it's one of the highlights of '94. I I would say it's the best movie '94. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that this really. I mean, if Reservoir Dogs kind, if, if Reservoir Dogs is a movie that really showed what Tarantino can do, this is the one to put him on the map for sure. Yeah, and there's so many, and I feel like, and I know you know we may get shit because of this. Um, you know, obviously. Pulp Fiction is like I think you know Tarantino's best work, but there are so many memorable scenes from this film as opposed to his other films. Like you just think that are synonymous. You think of you know um, Vincent and Mia dancing. You know you think of Mia getting overdosed and and and, and you think, you know, getting you think the of shot, uh, Marvin getting shot in the face. Yeah, the shot of adrenaline to the you know to the heart, and then you know the the, the whole hiding a watch up his ass. Like you you still it's so synonymous with Pulp Fiction. Um, everything about this, you can just call back to certain things, and you just know that Pulp Fiction, you know, has Tarantino's stamp all over it. I just think that you know it, it is it is a great film, and I, I I enjoy it. It is one of the best of '94, um, and I think when we were talking about this initially, um, putting it on the poll, I think we kind of knew where we were going with this one. I think we knew that this yeah. one was the one that was going to win. I thought I thought Shawshank would put up a better fight 
I really did. So did I, actually. Yeah. Just because it's so revered, uh, you know, so revered is that, you know, this, you know, it's number one on IMDb over The Godfather, which it should not be. But anyway, uh, that's a debate for debate for another time. But, um, you know, it is 94. You know, it was a year of some gems. So, you know, you look back on it. It's also really interesting to talk about, like, the deeper themes of this film, like, you know, with, you know, like like Vincent's egg, you know, he's trying to not trying to cope, but trying to. you know, adjust to just society that he is clearly too dumb to function in. And yeah. it is funny that a pitch that Tarantino had that he that never got made was he wanted to make uh, a Vega Brothers movie, which would have featured Vincent Vega and Vic Vega, Michael Madden's character from Reservoir Dogs. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I like I you get along with Butch's journey. You really in the last like third of the film, like Samuel Jackson comes in and steals the whole thing. Like he everything that Jules is going through in the last third is great. Yeah, and also like this, the the case has been such a such a mystery. This is a point of conversation for sure. And the thing that most people you know, theorize is in there, and I'm kind of inclined to agree. And people think it's seen. People seem to think it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. Yeah, that's kind of what I. That's what I've always heard. Yeah, it, it glows. The code to open it is six six six. Yeah, the band is the back of the head. Could could be an allusion to the way that it was theorized that God attracted souls from bodies and mythology. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's more it's more of a grounded world, probably something like diamonds or like a like maybe something like a really rare diamond. But yeah, it's I do think this is a great movie. There's a reason. There's, there's a reason. There's one of the reasons this movie has resonated for so many years. And that's because yeah, yeah it's it stands the test of time. It's great. I love it. And um, yeah, well, we actually got to talk about it. Yeah, me too. All right, so I was gonna close up the show for us. Uh, Russell, you want to give your plugs? Yeah, go ahead and check us out on Notorious by Chance YouTube channel. We will get back to that. I know we've been a little bit idle with that. I, just had- I guarantee, I guarantee we're going to do a top 10 of the year. Oh, we for absolutely will. Um, Hotel Mumbai will definitely be on there. I, I told Is it you, really? I told you at the beginning of the year. I told you when I talked about this film, there's like a Chappaquiddick movie for the year for us. This is it. This, it it's probably going to be number 10. But Hotel Mumbai will absolutely be on my top ten list. I have already, I, I'm, as I'm watching these newer films and I like them a lot. I'm like, oh god, I only have like nine spots because I have like ten. Obviously, Hotel Mumbai. 10. Hotel Mumbai gets one. Hotel Mumbai is absolutely getting my number ten spot. Sorry, spoiler ahead. But uh, we will absolutely get back to track on the uh, YouTube videos. We just kind of got, you know, the holidays come through and we've just both been busy with our schedules. So um, look out for for new content on Notorious by Chance, our YouTube channel. Um, And, yeah, pretty much join our uh, Facebook group. We put up – we're at 275. Now we're, you know, inching closer to 300 group members, which is great. Uh, We just want to thank everybody that, you know, listens and, you know, thinks that we're worthy enough to listen to. It's great. Uh, We're we're having a blast with this. But, yeah, join the Facebook group. We put polls up. Well, we leave it to you guys to uh, vote on what we um, what we're going to go ahead and review. And I think we have a, like that idea that I said about the end of the year. I think we're going to go ahead and do that. Where we I th- have actually, to- I think like I think we'll say that for the beginning of next year. You know, because you're going yeah. to save it for okay for the, for the kickoff to 2020. Then okay, I like it. Yes, we'll, we'll just kind of leave it there. We won't we won't say anything right away yet. We'll just kind of head. But know that it is a uh, it's a great way to to close out to open up the new year for sure. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Chance Wars underscore 91. Check out my other podcast, PWCA, the podcast article and acronym. Uh, yeah, well, uh, thank you to the listeners. Uh, we, love, we love you guys. And <laughs> thank you everyone to vote on the polls. Uh, watch the Schmodown, join the Patreon. Spectacular is right around the corner. Uh, come to that. If you're, going with, if you're going to the Fan Expo, I will be there. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week where we really get our holiday spirit on. 
with some really, really bad Christmas movies. And you are going to no punish idea. us, I have a feeling. No idea what's going to win, but I'm scared. I'm scared for one possibility. Oh, and that's the possibility we're going to get him up. I bet. So uh, anyway, we, uh, we will, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.